0: and Welcome to 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back, the podcast where I, Connor Listoka, discuss bad books that we're all reading together with Mike Nelson, who's joining me as always. Mike, we're wrapping Good. up service, Garrett P. Service's Edison's Conquest of Mars. How do you feel about this journey?
1: Well, 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 it's funny you should ask. I was at a... Uh, I- I never go to brunch. I was at a <laughs> brunch the other day. I'm not one who brunches, but, but uh, I was with.
0: I, w- I would. I would have. I would have said that about you. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess if you had to pull the, you know, the, the lever either way, check the box next to it. You're too busy waiting uh, in line for
0: cronuts. I think is that's why. That's
1: right. <laughs> and uh, two people uh, like doing the what are you What are you reading now? <laughs> it's a person I haven't seen in a while. A well-read, a very thoughtful person said, "I'm reading a." a book on Edison uh, uh, written by, you know, some Pulitzer Prize winner. I don't know what it is. So. And then uh, my own wife said, oh, I'm reading this very, some very distinguished book, and it, it focuses a lot on Edison and his influence. <laughs> 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 then uh, the conversation start, you know, takes a little. Uh, I see my opportunity. I'm like, I am also reading a book on Edison.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, the stares and coughing. Uh, no, actually, everyone laughed and yeah. said, Wow, you uh, get out, is you what were they a said.
0: Tim yeah. Robinson character in an I think you should leave sketch. <laughs> yes. Oh, it was very funny. Yeah. So. Did any of them know the term Edison Aid? And-
1: they did not. So that part, at least, I had that on them. I was like, No, he was, you know, superhero solving problems and everything. They're like, Oh, that, that sounds about right.
0: Sure. Steam Man of the Prairies. We all, we all know where you're coming from. That's.
1: Sure. So, yeah, this book, I'm sure this book that this guy's reading, the biography of him, focuses heavily on Steam Man of the Prairie.
0: <laughs> is that a Steam Man of the Prairie tattoo I see? That's <laughs> hmm. You're in deep.
1: <laughs> well, uh so I'm so to answer your question, the long way about I'm excited to finish this and uh and learn everything i can about edison
0: well edison comes off as well as anybody could in this book probably because it's written by the fawning uh self-insert mary sue of garrett p service and uh (laughs) i i think that throughout the book he's sort of been a um I know, almost a godlike character who every time there's a a problem that needs solving he solves it even if it means uh denuding a crow at some point in time and that does not change in this final final third quarter of the no book. he's
1: he's much like a vanilla ice if there's a problem
0: <laughs> yo he'll solve it <laughs> and to this point we've we've uh traveled to the moon back to earth to a Martian asteroid where we harvested gold, and then we finally made it to Mars. We, they, they've lost many men and many ships along the way, but for the most part, they've um, oh, they, they've also captured a Martian who died, and now they've captured a uh, Martian slave who they believe to be an Earth woman um, who is now aboard their ship, and they uh, they they learned the Martian's language, and now they're learning her language. So it tends to repeat a few beats, but that's. Uh, what you would expect when you're doing one of these old cereals, I guess.
1: Yes, and to be clear, the trip, the return trip to Earth was—I uh, think it's the equivalent of the family vacation in the, um, you know, in the big station wagon where the six <laughs> kids in the back intentionally don't tell dad that Timmy never made it back from the bathroom <laughs> and their stop, and then lets them go, and then they punch each other when one's about to go. Dad, he's not actually back here, and then you travel 150 miles. Right, And then your father curses the entire way back to the mobile station where he's sitting on the counter with a lollipop. That was what the trip to Earth was like.
0: <laughs> that, that, you could tell that story, which sounds like it's almost uh, a beat for beat, something that happened in your childhood on the next uh, Patreon Extra, maybe. <laughs> okay. okay, I will. Uh, yes, yeah, so that that was a, a, a great moment of this, as was the discovery of moon jewels, the hucking of uh, solid chunks of gold towards the Earth, The leaping up and down uh, once you've calculated your specific gravity, even though many of your um, compatriots have died. So this book's been filled with a lot of good stuff and a lot of (laughs) a lot of as he described those moments in such great detail. There's also been a ton of stuff. Another patented Garrett P. Servicism is being unable to describe something. Something is so incredible and, and awestruck that he's unable to tell us the reader what is happening. So that's been a, a very fun thing to to repeatedly encounter. That as well as the um I, I'm on Mars, my feet have touched the planet that no one else has walked on. Uh, I'm I'm full of just immense feelings. Oh hey, look! Uh, that thing reminds me of the uh, the waffle house off uh, off route ninety five um, or <laughs> any other uh, you know earth architecture, earth art um, earth earth trees they, they they're all something that reminds him of here on Earth. I believe he was attacked by essentially a big dog when he first set foot on the the um, surface of Mars.
1: Yes, that was before they learned how to sweep their disintegrators, but yes, they, they killed the dog. <laughs> That's a big moment. That's a huge moment. I would add the only other tick you you might mention is the, uh, the sort of uh, professorally grabbing one's lapels and going, uh, it would uh, do me little good to uh, try to explain to you what I'm <laughs> talking about here. However, let me go on for six paragraphs about how the uh, oscillation of the waves... Uh,
0: you you promised I was too dumb to talk about this. Yes, oscillation of waves, Martian ice caps, and as we get to in this one, phrenology, which uh, plays a, a gigantic role. Uh, unexpectedly, you know, it's like uh, in the in the seventh game of the World Series, the early two thousands Yankees, uh, if, if the ninth inning instead of Mario on Rivera, they brought in like Gallagher out of the pen or something like that. They just phrenologists just play. Un- <laughs> indescribable uh, To use Gary P. Service's yeah. own technique Role in the back half of this book
1: An outsized role And I would say uh, As I was reading that I'm like man we're lucky this wasn't written just a little bit later, and uh, oh, we're glad the eugenicists made their way with us.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially because the phrenologists are just sort of like they were there all along, you know, so if yes. they were just like. And then the uh, eugenicists who came out with the German linguist uh, sort of teamed up and tag-teamed off the top ropes here.
1: That would have been, uh, you know, when, with the word Aryan being tossed around uh, <laughs> I Think that would have been an unreadable material.
0: <laughs> but you know, the uh, if if the eugenicists were sort of like uh, sitting back on Earth, uh, waiting to uh, waiting to hear how this journey was going to turn out, I think they might be they... pretty <laughs> pretty happy with the outcome. A little of Little golf clap at, the, yes. at that one, yeah, for so, sure. So we've, we can we can allude to that. So there's, uh, I, I don't know. I think I I texted you about this that we might be encountering the highest body count in any any book we've read. Yeah, you had
1: uh, sent that to me before I had read the my section, so I was like, oh. "How can, how can this?" <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, pretty exciting. But now that I have read it, I I can't think. But I have a bad memory for the what the books were about. I kind of put them out of my memory. So. Yeah,
0: I, but like you know, I, I think that in you know, Ready Player One, that was potentially there was. Uh, an off-screen body count before the book started you know there was some, yeah, some sort was of incident after or, uh... the
1: apocalypse yeah and
0: then i think in ready player two there was a uh potentially high body count threatening everyone who was plugged into the oasis while our heroes were gallivanting around the uh poly shore planet or whatever mm-hmm. but i don't think it ever materialized so I, I, you know we'll get to it but there is a uh a, a lot of a lot of death a lot of Moral uh quandaries to be briefly weighed but uh it's it uh, pretty exciting uh final quarter of the book, which I think um as we were reading this you you weren't really sure what to expect, but uh garrett peace service really uh you know laid on the the pulp <laughs> pulp sci fi style here
1: he stepped it up, yeah, he knew what he was doing he's uh this is the age of Conan Doyle he knew how to uh you know keep the audience hooked, so they bought that. How much was a newspaper that you were... I, this was serialized in a newspaper, paper, I'm assuming.
0: Yes, um, I, I think a Boston newspaper. I mean, I don't know. Was it a penny? I, I don't
1: know. That's a good question. Sometimes you see things in old movies and, and you're like, wow, I, I'm assuming it'll be way cheap. Like, obviously, gas is the one, you know, it's yeah. right in front of your face. You see that and you go,
0: holy cow. 17 cents.
1: 27 <laughs> cents a gallon. But then other times you'll... It'll be like an old west movie or something. It'll be like steak and potatoes, seven fifty. Like wow, all right? They weren't getting any kind of a deal there. Right,
0: yes. Well, I guess that was their meal for the week. Yeah. Uh, but so uh, to talk all that up, as we did, uh, as being you know relatively exciting and stuff, this this section that we read this week began with a tedious language lesson. Three yes. weeks of a tedious language lesson. So. Um, so the sizzle here is 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 fleeting at times, but it is the uh, they've brought the Martian slave girl, uh, slave of the Martians, who mm-hmm. um, we, we we learn her name soon. But the beautiful harp player, who they burst in and vaporized, and immediately their you know jaws dropped to the floor and their tongues lolled out towards her harp. Essentially, they've brought her on board. They believe that she's like a a speaks a, a grand unifying language of thousands of years ago and the german heidelberg professor is studying her as a, you know he was making the faces he was going like whoop whoop ee, ee, to see what she would pick up on but after and he
1: was he was making um everyone else well uh, everyone there's a couple of suitors uh he's setting up a couple of suitors and he makes them jealous essentially by you know teaching her the words for you know uh, language professors Wang and stuff like that, so so that stirs up their jealousy now we 've got a rivalry going so.
0: yes the people who are who are jealous about that are Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith, the military leader of the Great West, and then, oh God, Sidney Peters, I think uh sydney, sydney phillips sydney phillips yes so that's the young young man and then the older sort of grizzled war veteran are the ones who are watching these tedious language lessons and just you know a, a love rectangle is forming or something mm-hmm. but the german professor declares that she that he has mastered the tongue of the ancient aryans um <laughs> and and makes the uh, somewhat chilling claim for a uh, early 20th century german that it's uh you shall see it will the speculations of my countrymen vindicate. <laughs> so you, you never want to see that type of, you know, vindication being uh, l- loudly asserted from an early 20th century German. And they're like, what's that arm gesture you're doing there? That's very strange. <laughs> that's the that's the uh Martian sign language for the uh, uh, linguistic professor's Wang is what we're doing. Here.
1: Uh and uh we learned that the girl's name is Aina. Yeah. Which I, I, I immediately thought it's very much like the horny cartoon wolf sound, Aouka.
0: <laughs> it's very close, yes. So, <laughs> Speaking of tongue falling, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, A-I-N-A, and then he lays out the phonetic uh, explanation for you right there next to it. And it says that soon uh, the name of our beautiful captive was on the lips of all. And they, <laughs> so they just keep ref- referencing how beautiful she is. There, we have no idea, again, like... Um, the trauma she's endured or how old she is anything like this but these guys are just all about it immediately
1: and they say that uh and it's again it's hard to imagine how the fleet they think of them as as ships on the sea so i assume they're just like, sort of like rope together and like sitting out in space <laughs> just <laughs> hovering so guys are like walking between them you know with with uh white claws and stuff like hey did you hear about iena <laughs> because they, they said the news just travels all over yeah so they they must be doing it, you know, ship to
0: ship. Yeah, so yeah, they they're either doing, you know, spacewalks out there or they're just hopping on the intercom to tell the uh, the ship of of uh Japanese phrenologists, like uh, hey, by the way, the uh the hot slave girl's name is Aina and then they oh, <laughs> describe her. <laughs> ex- extremely beautiful, her name is on all of our lips.
1: He hears the entire ship muttering behind him, clapping.
0: Uh, Japanese phrenologist, is that the sound of one of your phrenologists banging himself on the head with a oversized mallet? It is, yes. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, yes. We had a little bit of that here, too. Um, But it says she starts telling her story, I guess, since they have mastered her language. And uh, they talk about, like, a, a beautiful uh, valley surrounded by uh, enormous mountains with snow that never melted and lakes where they all lived and uh, splendid with flowers and rich, luscious fruits. And as she's telling this, the Heidelberg professor became visibly more and more excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Calm down, <laughs> yeah, professor yeah,
1: really. from Heidelberg. Uh, they,
0: you assume that if they do have any sort of showers, they are all probably just cold. So just go and take one of those, I think. right.
2: Yeah,
0: um, And it says... Uh, he speculates that this is not something I was familiar with, is that she is from the Vale or Valley of Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, he says, from the Valley of Kashmir to the planet of Mars. What a romance, exclaimed a bystander. She, she is a slave, as were all her other people who were taken from that valley to Mars. It's usually not a part of it, you know, your standard hallmark romance. Plus,
1: you. We know who shouted that too. So. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> that's
1: his job, I guess.
0: Yep. Just uh, no. from the Valley of Kashmir to the planet of Mars to our discovery of Moon jewels. What a romance! <laughs> Damn
1: it! Damn it! Dale. Shut up. Um. Yeah. So the Valley of Kashmir uh, is a poem, I think, by Yeats. I could be wrong. I looked up.
0: I think it might be Thomas More.
1: Oh, okay. There, there could Thank be more gosh. than one, but. Um, but uh, Adalung, So Kashmir, I assume it just means India. It means Kashmir, right? Okay. Um, An uh or I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I couldn't find any. I didn't. I did not know this. But I assume there was some. Maybe there was a, a very quick theory about the origins of life, and everyone glommed onto it like phrenology and thought sure. that was the thing <laughs> um but uh i couldn't find any reference to it so if anyone else has it maybe like is
0: Adelung along the uh heidelberg professor's first name
1: uh i thought it was no he says my great countryman
0: oh yeah interesting
1: so declared uh anyway oh, yeah, it's huh? uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's india and uh he immediately heard description of a place with mountains and streams and trees. And he goes, oh, that's obviously India.
0: Yeah. No, I was in uh, Katmai National Park in Alaska. I, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, it was Fat Bear Week. I was really excited. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. So we, we do know from last week's episode, too, that, that service has put in stuff that, you know, shockingly is only found in Garrett P. Service's Edison's Conquest of Mars. Yes. The, uh, the person who wrote about like the seven sisters of the Santa Anna or something. Yeah. I, I, I commented There's on his seven blog. devils of the Santa Anna. Yeah. <laughs> I, I commented on his blog and he said like, I'm glad you guys are reading this or something like that. Um, so <laughs> I told him this was the only, only place we could find the reference of that. So this could be another one of those. Nice. Um, but it says that uh, Sidney Phillips is standing there watching uh, Colonel Smith recite this uh, Thomas Moore poem. And it says he's catch, catching the murmur of Cur- Colonel Smith's words showed in his handsome countenance some indication of distress as if he wished he had thought of those lines himself. So that's how old timey uh, jealousy over a hot chick would work. You would sit there lamenting that you weren't the first to quote, you know, the Thomas More poem instead of being the one to be like, hey, I got you a shot of fireball. Like, you're like, "Ah, I should have done that. Now she's going to go home with him.
1: I felt like it was, uh, you know, like uh, Barney Fife or something sitting over in the corner. Dang
0: it, Andy. <laughs> I, I should have learned that poem. Yeah. Now, now she'd like me. Now Edna May's going home with that Wild West vi- hero, Alonzo Jefferson Smith. It ain't right, Andy. It just ain't right. <laughs>
1: Oh. Uh, that was good. That, I, I have that as a, this sh- is going to be fun. These two having the <laughs> Colonel Alonzo and this guy, who's all we know about him is he's handsome and must be sort of bland. He doesn't really say anything.
0: Yeah, he. I think he's the square jawed, just sort of uh, guy that in the 1950s uh, sci-fi movies, they say like, well, you've got that handsome young guy. And you're like, handsome? Well, I guess they've asserted it, so...
1: Uh, Steve, he really is quite the the physical specimen like, <laughs> oh, the guy with the greasy hair and the weird forehead okay yeah. I guess you'd
0: get him to help move your fridge, I mean more so than you would your grandfather, but uh, right I guess weightlifting hadn 't been invented, but they do so they're they 're alling about this they 're reciting poetry they're they 're so in awe that she came from essentially you know the Garden of Eden, and it says that uh, she says that they They carried uh, my people away from them. And uh, after having slain and driven out the native inhabitants, they remained for many years keeping our people whom they had carried into captivity as slaves to reiterate, what a romance. (laughs) (laughs) And then
1: I love this speculation as well. Um, They carried a large number of them off to a strange country where there were oceans of sand. (laughs) <laughs> but where a great river flowing through the midst of the sand created a narrow land of fertility. Yeah, and uh, immediately, like, well, Martians built the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see how we could possibly escape that conclusion.
0: It's incredible. So yeah, they 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 make that. I mean, that's as much as identification as they get. It's like a you know yeah a river uh, and throwing through sand, and then uh, oh yeah, the German professor immediately says it's Egypt, and then you know they. They built the thing, and the, the statue of the leader, that has to be the Sphinx. Um, it says that it had been, uh, they solved one of these standing mysteries of Earth, which, I mean, to reiterate is, how did some people build some fairly normal things uh, in Egypt? <laughs> and uh, they, he makes the claim that it was not the work of puny man, as many an engineer had declared it could not be, but the works of these giants of Mars. So, um, we have an email about this later on, but he essentially... Um, does the first like it was aliens that meme? Um, about, yes. about the about the pyramids, <laughs>
1: yes, he does. <laughs> and like you know,
0: and, the Egyptians had plenty of uh slaves themselves, so like it's not you know, the fact that the Martians just came there and used uh Aena's people to do this is uh, you know, that, that's a little clue about how they might have achieved such a feat here. <laughs>
1: yeah it's like um hey i will give you a natural explanation for the pyramids. A lot of slaves, uh, but then Garrett Service services I'll give you a natural explanation. A lot of slaves uh run by Martians. <laughs> it's like, why't I'll just make up a natural explanation and say a leprechaun did it, and yes, then I win like really? what do you what do you hee
0: there's just Uh
1: But to reiterate, the Martians uh come down on their ships, which they shoot out of giant guns you know, like uh, the Heidelberg professor is going to appreciate the giant German guns that they shoot later, Mm -hmm. um, shoots their ships out into space and they go to India, kidnap a bunch of people who live in Kashmir and fly them over to Egypt (laughs) as slaves so that they can build stuff in the sand. I I have that right, right?
0: I I believe that had been their plan and and we later learned that this happened 9,000 years ago. So the Martians... That that was their plan 9,000 years ago, and then they just, you know, sort of sit back, wait for phase three, essentially, like, it's all going according to plan, gentlemen. <laughs> the cl- <laughs>
1: and then profit, right? Yes, <laughs>
0: yes. But yeah, the, what they intended those, um, I guess I, it's sort of like planting your flag. I mean, I'm I'm doing a lot of, I'm giving them a lot of credit here. I guess that's sort of like planting your flag on Earth. We built a, a enormous sphinx of our leader, and so... That was our, um, you know, our our conquest, our, our establishing dominion over mm-hmm. this this planet here, mm-hmm. and then wait nine thousand years and then come attack and be wiped out by germs that I guess didn't exist back then.
1: That's the plan. It's all going <laughs> according to plan. Uh, well, so I look forward to at the end of this book uh, uh, after Edison's conquest, giant Edison statue. I'm assuming. Oh
0: man, <laughs> yeah, that would be a damn shame
1: uh but we so she's telling her story the land of sand and all that and then we get this uh uh i am uh, uh, alas no replied aina her eyes filling with tears i alone am left so she speaks kind of like the german professor mm-hmm. for a few minutes she was unable to speak
2: <laughs> oh, no. oh no so
1: i yes i i i dove to the to the dark well did you now someone has to pick up on this. We're not the only ones who notice the the staggering time periods given for moments when people are unable to speak. Yeah, no. So I I went to the dark web.
0: For for the most part, the people on the dark web do tend to be relatively in sync with the odd things we notice here and, and, and seek out to see if they are there.
1: Yeah, is it... Well, is it causality or, or causation or, or do we just happen to find those is is there an endless supply of recreators and we pick out the things we want?
0: I think we'll there's never no a clear answer and that is that Martians did it, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh let's uh let's listen to this recreation. It's pretty much what uh I said it is, but you know, just sure. uh, Here it goes. Okay. I'm kidding. We're, I don't. Have that.
0: Not,
1: I, I can do it as an extra, and if people want to listen to it,
0: yeah, we can play John Cage's uh, Four Thirty Three for people right then. He, he he might have invented that actually. A few minutes. I, I think I could stretch
1: that to two minutes and thirty seconds. And uh and then just kind of the shuffling of feet on what you would imagine an electric ship deck would be <laughs> and uh, guys like smoking uh, tamping their pipes maybe uh, one
0: phrenologist starts uh you know rolling out the wolf's clapping machine from that one cartoon <laughs> that oh. Bad time. Sorry, I thought we were Sorry. so horny. Yeah. All right. She's still not speaking. I understand.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, look, you know, putting—is uh, there a sound of like putting monocles deeper into your eye pit? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> 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 i right. <I'm>
0: still. still. <laughs> I, we last year in Minneapolis, we tried to do two minutes of uh, of <laughs> Kazam sitting next to a little boy right. in an alley, and even that was in front of a crowd was almost unbearable. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of asking people to guess too, right? Like how long? Pe- people just didn't know. No, like, I, I, oh I think God. a guy
0: set a timer in the front row for us. Right, so. right, right uh, yeah. Right. All right, so she's uh, she's unable to speak for a couple of minutes. Even her behavior there is like catching her breath, like, you know, starting to speak, being unable. That's uh, another another side of that coin. Mm-hmm. But then she goes on to say that there were, uh, you know, several thousand people on this planet uh, that had that been brought back to Mars. They uh, um, were there <laughs> particularly, I don't know if most of them, were to delight the Martians' ears with music. For our people have always been especially skillful in the playing of musical instruments and in songs, while the Martians have but little musical skill themselves. They are very fond of these things. So I just imagine the Martians just, like, shittily picking up a guitar and, you know, playing, like, the Smoke on the Water riff or, like, you know, uh, About a Girl by Nirvana that's, like, E minor and G, like...
1: (laughs) If I could put time in a bottle. That's all I can do. I can't. The next chord shift is so It's got a nine. It's got a nine augmented. Dang.
0: Just bagging out a a classroom of them playing Hot Cross Bonds on a recorder.
1: (laughs) But they also said um, they were allowing the uh, slaves to look through the telescopes. (laughs) Some of my people were permitted to look through the telescopes. So I just figure they are just... They're wandering around with uh, red solo cups, right? Uh-huh. Like, looking through the, like, slaves, keep, keep, you keep, play, keep playing that music and we're gonna check out what these <laughs> ships are. And Like, may I be permitted to look? show you a rat's ass, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh goodness, I recognize those ships back when we lived in the Vale of Kashmir.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, go back
0: there and play the, uh, my humps on the harp. As <laughs> a banger, yeah, as you wish, sir. As you wish. <laughs> the Martians are dancing on a table. Uh, yeah, but so they let the the slaves. Uh, the I don't even know what they're called. The the ancient race of the Vale of Kashmir. Look there. Uh, they spy the ships and they start making uh, secret preparations for when the you know when the Earthlings are going to come to the to the uh, to Mars. And then the Martians, of course, find out about that. And says the uh, as soon as they learn about this that they're going to collaborate. It says the monsters, their vengeance was too terrible. Instantly, the order went forth that we should all be butchered, and that awful command was executed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love the sentence structure of that. The order went forth, and that awful command was executed. <laughs> You're talking about like literally hacking. I'm I'm assuming, or I don't know how. They, I guess they're little lightning bolt
0: things. Yeah, I guess they yeah they have some otherworldly powers from their phrenology uh, brains.
1: And then the uh, you know the lead Martian is like Dave, you know, toss those bodies into the canals. Like we drink out of those, <laughs> you know, like
0: yeah, compress them into the food that our heroes have been eating for the past couple of weeks. That would be a which, nice little
1: twist. Which sounds like this, of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, essentially, the heroes coming uh, triggered this uh, mass extinction event, the first one of the book. Uh, there's, there's no real, like, <laughs> um, you know, uh, reckoning that they do with this. Uh, that if we hadn't come here, all the Aena's friends would still be alive, even if, I don't know, being alive. Who knows what they would would have preferred here, but they just sort of casually move on from that. <laughs>
1: I don't. Yeah, there's no soul searching about that. Like, yeah. oh dear. In, mm.
0: <laughs> In fact, they say her wonderful story had so captivated our imaginations, captivated our imaginations that for a long time after it finished, we could not recover from the spell. And then they say uh, it was told over and over again, again from mouth to mouth, repeated from ship to ship, everywhere, exciting the utmost astonishment. Did, did you hear us coming here? They killed every single person she ever knew and loved because of that. Wow. I got to tell the rest of my ship.
1: And they once again uh, call it a romantic tale as well.
2: <laughs> She's
1: just sitting there like, I have seen so much blood. I've, I mean, I saw my my cousin's liver was like on my shoulder, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't let me wash it off. They thought it was, they, they told me it was cute. And they wanted to see it while I played the harp.
1: Yeah, I played Fury Lease on the piano while my cousin's liver was on my shoulder.
0: Colonel Alonzo (laughs) Jefferson Smith is trying to do the yawn arm uh, over her shoulder technique right at that moment. (laughs) Like, oh, I'll
1: reconsider. Uh, Yeah, that's quite a romantic tale.
0: (laughs) And they go on to say that, uh, you know, this was the probable site of the Garden of Eden. They determined that. So if you're saying Martians built the pyramids, why not? Um, Yeah. <laughs> and then it says that uh, nine thousand years had elapsed since the first invasion of Earth by Martians. So that's um, you know quite a timeline. And it's like, so if she's been from a the humans from nine thousand years ago have then been isolated on Mars like that, she's like the most fascinating anthropological thing that's ever existed. You know, she's essentially mm-hmm. probably like a, a different species at this point in time. Um, So, you know, the fact that there's all these scientists on board, you'd think someone might be interested in that. But nope, it's just pure, you know, like, auga, as we said before.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Just uh, chatting about her, you know, how she put her hair up that day is like the thing that goes around like the radios are just buzzing.
0: (laughs) I also like that they are sort of like, they they, they take this as proof of, you know, the Garden of Eden. Martians, which is like, you know, there's... Someone out there would probably be like, "Well, this is going to cause me to question some of this stuff, but it's actually just more proof that it's you know <laughs> proof all along is that that was the uh, the origin of of everything."
1: Yeah, that that comes up later in a in a big way, which you know teaser. But yeah. I thought the same thing, like, "Well, you hey, wait a minute, you can't say both." <laughs> uh, but he says, um, uh, I, "I guess this is Edison himself." Destiny seemed to have sent us on this expedition into space for the purpose of clearing off mysteries that had long puzzled the minds of men. Well, yeah, that, and to stop the Martians from slaughtering everyone on Earth. Yeah, that's a Uh, nice... Let's uh, keep our priorities uh,
0: in check here, gentlemen. little retroactive justification but it was that edison's how he ends the chapter cuz i liked they're still you know they're, they're talking about the garden of eden they're um you know going maybe at aina but then edison essentially does a a uh uh runs his nails down the chalkboard like quint he goes like this is all very interesting and very romantic, gentlemen, but let's get to the practical side of it. Remember what we came here for, and remember that the Earth expects every man of us to do his duty.
1: Yes, he did He did uh, uh, grab someone by the lapels and slap their face a little bit. Yeah. I did like
0: that, yeah. <laughs> and it ends with, a, you, know, uh, you know, I'm going to give credit where it's due again. It says, this Nelson-like summons. What does that mean?
1: Uh, 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 Admiral Nelson, I'm assuming. Uh.
0: Again, change the current of our thoughts, and we instantly set to work to learn from Aena if Mars, like Achilles, had not some vulnerable point where a blow would be mortal. End of chapter. That's, you know, yeah. I don't know. If you were reading that in the paper, that, you know.
1: Yeah, good ending. And since it was serialized, here's my question. I wonder, uh, you know, if you're sitting around the house reading it, and then you're, you know, you pick it up and then you ask, you yell to your spouse, whoever is reading it. Like, hey, where did you put last week? I want to see where we ended. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that hanging around anywhere? Or Because uh, I can't remember how many minutes did Iena pause before she started talking again. It's important to the story. Like, I can't keep track of your Garrett P. service papers. You know, just how many fights over that. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I I remember my brother uh, growing up, there was like an X-Men crossover in the Spider-Man Daily comic, and he cut, he cut all of them out and like taped them to sort of like a toilet paper roll, essentially, <laughs> just like, you know, these weeks of comics are back-to-back. I wonder if there's any weirdos doing that with these uh, Garrett P. Service serials back in the day. Like, I'll keep this. The kids will want to read this when they're older. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like my, uh, my weird, uh, the uncle who... I've, I've told the story before, Bucket uh, Uncle. Bucket Uncle. Yeah, we'll just leave it there. He uh, he would be telling a story and say, um, "Yeah, because that was we were at that place that used to be on the west side of Chicago. Uh, what what was that, ma?" Uh, and my grandma would go, "I don't know, Wally." You know, and he, he would he would run into his basement and rummage through stacks of newspaper and then pull out like the story of the opening of the restaurant. <laughs> deeply deeply weird that's
0: like trying to invent a justification for your hoarding it's not like sherlock holmes is like if only we had a record of what happened on june 16th 1842 but uh, (laughs) if i
1: throw this away how will i tell that fascinating story in 12 years (laughs) anyway
0: local dog rescues boy see i knew that would come in handy um Uh,
1: i think now is as good a time as any uh I would like to hear, uh, why don't you talk about uh, what, you've, what you've made for everyone?
0: Oh, uh, well, so it was teased in, the I believe, the introduction episode because yes. someone commented on our, on our Patreon that uh, when we announced the name of the book, they said, uh, you better get your copy fast because service is selling. And I, I think both of us deeply regretted that we were not the ones to come up with that joke ourselves. Yes, because services is selling is one of our favorite videos. I referenced it in our in our rift treks meeting yesterday. It was on my mind. Yes, but
2: <laughs>
0: I, I vowed, I think, that I would take the services selling song and redo it to be about um, this book. And for like weeks, it was just like weighing on me. I was like, oh boy, how am I going to do this? What's going to happen? And finally, I just had one of those, you know, flashes. Like it came to me. I, you know, woke up three hours later and it was done. Essentially, I didn't realize what I had done, but, uh, (laughs) you know, there's no, a lot of times, like, let's say you wanted to do, um, I think I did this. We did a song. I said it to Blackbird by the Beatles. It was uh, the canonically bang song. You can, you can go on YouTube and you can search for Blackbird by the Beatles instrumental that turns up. So you can do your own little weird parody over it. Sure. If you want to do a services selling parody that does not exist. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, whatever the guy used, like uh, Windows 98 Songmaker 3.0, that it's probably like default number two in there, but I don't have that. Um, long story short, I, I did record a parody of the minorly popular viral video services selling to be about Edison's Conquest of Mars.
1: Well, did you have to strip out the vocals from the...
0: I I sort of chopped it up. I went in there. I found an isolated part of the thing where no one was talking over it and then just like looped it to the best of my ability, which is very minimal. So I think you're going to find that some of these these loops are not exact. And also, there's like in-services selling, if you're a a scholar of this, as the people are talking, it's just the bass line and the drums. Once they get to the chorus, uh, there's like a little bridge that has like these crappy horns in them. And that was the only part I could isolate. So the horns are throughout here. So, um, you know. Oh,
1: wait, crappy horns. Oh, so that wasn't like Tower of Power. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It
0: wasn't Clarence Clemens yeah, or yeah, The Motown backing band. <laughs> um, so uh, I did the best of my ability. I think that you'll, if again, if you're a scholar uh, or if you've heard this more than once, which is going to be, you know, one percent of our listeners, maybe you'll you'll recognize that there's a lot of. Um, i I nailed a lot of the inflection, which just sort of came very naturally because you can I know who 's speaking at each part uh,
1: and i and I would just say if you haven 't if you because we 've noticed this over and over again, like why is this not more of a thing mm-hmm. so if you haven 't watched services selling, shame on you sir <laughs> shame <laughs> on you and uh, so all right well let 's uh, let 's listen let's to the updated services selling.
0: Service is selling. Garrett, peace service. Service is selling. Garrett, peace service. I'm flying to the cosmos to make Earth feel all right. I'm going to slaughter millions with oh-so much delight. I can help you disintegrate anything you could possibly want. So many naked crows that I can flaunt. Service is selling. Garrett peace service. Service is selling. Garrett peace service. Hello there Sylvanus, how you doing today? With calculus made easy, you're sure to get an A. I got Lord Kelvin here, who wants compressed food to buy. I'll send some right over, we just stole the Martian supply. Hello there, Lord Kelvin, I got some news for you. You should really stop jumping, our fleet's been reduced by two. Service is sell, Garrett P. Service. My name is Iena and I don't like to sell. I'm an unhappy person because I am a slave. Playing the harp, that's all I'd like to do. A rosebush is thorny, the linguist is horny, and I'm feeling sick too. Hello there, Iena. They called me Sydney Pete. I came on this mission to see red Martian trees. Do whatever you want. I don't really care. They never explained how we breathe the same air. You look quite so pretty that I'm filled with great mirth. Let's kill all these Martians, then get married on Earth. Service is selling. Garrett, be service. Service is selling. Garrett, be service. How about a scarf? You'll look dashing in jade. If you buy these moon jewels, you'll have it made. We've got chemists and physicists and phrenologists on board. Edison's the man. Screw Henry Ford. I love killing Martians. It makes me feel so good. Look at all this cute stuff. Who cares if I should? service is selling Garrett peace service service is selling Garrett peace service
1: wow nicely nicely done mm-hmm. holy cow so worth it right I mean you're uh didn't you have a grandfather that fought in world war ii he, he could not be prouder of you help
0: liberate Dachau yes that's what yes. he was fighting for I think um you know I People just have these flashes of inspiration, and um, I'm just glad that I didn't, you know, run into a neighbor who was like, you know, <laughs> what'd you do today? <laughs>
1: well, I spent...
0: <laughs> turn around and go directly back inside.
1: Uh, didn't you, uh, you were uh, also inspired to write the, uh, we've announced it now, so we're, we're doing a Nick Nolte book. Yes. You yes. were inspired that, so you, much like... I, I believe you know. Handel, Haydn, Beethoven. Notebooks by the side of the bed. You know, sitting bolt upright and mm-hmm. you know, writing uh, "Ode to Joy" and uh, scribbling it on a piece of paper next mm-hmm. to their bed. That's that's you only with services <laughs> selling and Nick Nolte books. See so, this, the, yeah, the Nick you're Nolte book, company.
0: It was definitely I, I. We went out. A friend was in from out of town. Went to a, a barbecue restaurant, and I. It was fantastic like very surprising I just gorged I woke up in the middle of the night being like oh boy like bad idea and that's when the Nick Nolte I was like we got to kick this off and so I had a sort of idea just and then like you know the next you know as soon as I got up for real it was just like flowing out of me you know I my eyes the pupils went white and you know Lauren was like what's wrong with you and I was just typing staring at the wall um (laughs) So yeah, sometimes uh, inspiration just strikes, and one of these days maybe it'll be something a little more uh, dignified or lucrative.
1: But <laughs> well, it's it's very fitting for a Nolte, so you can't complain about that.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he would have eaten some expired Alpo or something. That, right. uh...
1: <laughs> Dollar store dented Alpo ain't so bad, is it?
0: But yeah, I don't. M- many people listening here might not be aware of that, but you can look forward to our own little. Uh, uh, Nick Nolte novella coming out so you can uh, you can critique us I, I think we've managed to avoid a lot of the pitfalls that we've discussed on this podcast just by virtue of doing something that's meant to be quite funny and by uh, not taking it too seriously but uh, I don't right. know when like, next couple months you can look forward to that yeah so back to the book back to service who has been selling this uh, is chapter 14 I do just want to point out that I, I there is a, a, a litany of uh, maybe a dozen or so services selling Happy Pete jokes in the history of Rift Tracks and many of them are are then tagged by being like, It's been a decade, that is never going to become a thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was quite a while ago. Um,
1: he opens chapter uh fourteen with and I believe I misnumbered my chapter notes in the future, but whatever, we'll figure it out. Uh, he says this as here too this is just such a great way of saying this. As heretofore, I am setting down her words translated into our own tongue, having taken only so much liberty as to connect the sentences into a stricter sequence than they had when falling from her lips in reply to the questions that were showered upon her.
0: My God.
1: Great way of saying, yeah, making this shit up. You, uh, I'm just, you know, connecting the thoughts, uh, you know, but trust me, it's it's pretty much all there.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah she's pretty hysterical. I, I, I'm i not sure why I sort of glossed over that.
1: But uh, yeah, shook her by the shoulders and told her to calm down. So that should have done the trick. Could but, you uh,
0: maybe employ someone to do the same uh, task for you, sir? If you're uh, if this stuff is coming out of your if this is how it's coming out of your mouth, you might have someone who can connect the thoughts for yourself. Right. (laughs) Uh, I did like that he described her as uh, flushed with excitement of the novel situation, fully appreciating the importance of what was about to occur and looking more charming than before. So (laughs) again, he has just described her describing that everyone she knows was executed uh, mere weeks or days ago. But like maybe she's... um, seeing a a vacuum cleaner that makes her smile or something
1: ah that could be it yeah i never thought of that yeah they wouldn't have to have those up there so sure
0: uh a sequel to that is coming by the way i didn't i don't think i told you that but the what uh, yep they uh takes off right after their wedding Um, wow i think think it's called the missus so (laughs) Blariana's revenge we can hope i hope so (laughs) uh
1: and then she uh so they immediately are like hey um you know, we gotta. Obviously, we want to get our revenge, and and you're one of us. Mm-hmm. So, what what you got? Mm-hmm. And and she says, oh, you know, they're pretty fortified because uh, they're always waging war against that <laughs> asteroid Cirrus. Is that is that how you pronounce that? It makes
0: yeah, as good as anything.
1: Uh, so again, that whole Garden of Eden thing is kind of <laughs> falling away. <laughs> <laughs> where there's just like the 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 sky is thick with planets <laughs> yeah, filled with sure people. with other
0: people. Yeah. Yeah, they've all got their Who's, own gardens of Eden
1: whose origins we don't know. So anyway, that was that was interesting. But he says um she says, "Oh, it's, you know, we we lived here and blah blah blah." And then an astronomer says, so she's telling the whole tale of where she lived and how it works, and then uh the astronomer says, yes, that is so, broke in one of our astronomers who was listening attentively. Many a time I have seen the vast snow fields around the southern pole of Mars completely disappear as the summer rose up high upon them. And, you know, to which Iena just goes, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, jackass. I live here. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> it is. It's the it's the astronomer attempting to justify their uh, the expense of bringing him along. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that, too. Uh, <laughs>
1: I, I'm like ten. Feet, I see it over. You know, I, I. It's when I wake up in the morning and throw my curtains open. I see it. So, <laughs> thanks for confirming it through your uh, tiny brass telescope.
0: <laughs> they do a lot of. So this is they. They set the stage for pretty much the main set piece here, which is that Mars is mostly below sea level. They've dug canals all over it to try to make it inhabitable. Um, there's a big. Uh, like Sea Surtis Major that acts like a safety valve that lets the water from these melting poles flow mm-hmm. north, I guess. And then, I mean, they, this is the type of thing they say. They just say, I mean, this is an example of how, how bad this is. To prevent this, they have built a series of enormous <laughs> gates extending completely across the Surtis Major at its narrowest point, latitude 25 degrees south. So they're just getting deep into these specifics. But that's her saying that. Uh,
1: Yes, true, true. So she's going into their uh, way of talking. Like, right, yes, yeah. They're like hitting her with a ruler. Latitudes, please.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Forgot to mention that. Yeah.
0: Or she's just doing it to be like, you know, looking at the astronomer to be like, mansplain this bitch. Like, you know, did you know the absurdist major was at 90, 25 degrees south? Um, and then Edison essentially just says, uh, we're going to stop the water from flowing back out by um, closing a gate and then it will it will flood everything, um, right? Which is all you know that that was like six paragraphs, but that's uh that that's what it boils down to.
1: And it cracked me up that so she's a slave and like the old uh, again the red solo cups must have been out <laughs> as they're just like walking her around like yeah just keep playing that guitar I gotta check on all these like the valve lines like if this does not stay closed like we all die <laughs> isn't that weird. <laughs> like uh it's amazing. Now play uh, what's that Green Day song I love? Yeah, play that one. <laughs> Anyway, it's just, like, it's amazing. Like, don't touch this button.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's super, super lampshaded. I mean, um, I guess that probably happened in, you know, uh, Catwoman of Mars, that type of thing. Like, the, it would cut to the to the woman having overheard that as they're discussing that. Like, that's not out of the realm of possibility from a, a terrible 50s sci-fi movie. Sure. <laughs> but it's funny to read it in print. Uh, but, yeah, it's and it's also very funny because it says... Um, I saw one Martian, by turning a little handle, cause the line of grates uh, sitting hundred miles across the screen to slowly shut in edge to edge until the flow of water north had been stopped. So it's one guy's job. He's got like the uh, you know the, the make work job of just being like, oh hey, it's uh, you know June fifteenth. Got to go up there and turn my crank, and uh, that'll be uh, that'll be it for my year. I've earned my nut.
1: Yep. Uh, union says I can't touch anything else. <laughs> yeah, right. Could I've you just close the door? On the
0: Doors aren't my thing. <laughs> now, please, I've got some drinking out of a red solo cup to do. <laughs> That's right. And they've got an uh, a overhead death network, an electrical death network. Uh, it says we have uh, surrounded it with a great electrical network. To touch it would be instant death. And then uh, Edison says, uh, yes. <laughs> he has some good quips. He says, ah, they have got an electric shield, have they? Well, I think we shall be able to manage that. So a, a, a decent quip. But most, most good action quips don't proceed thusly. Anyhow, he continued. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was, uh, yes, I have that down as a, uh, a laugh out loud moment.
0: <laughs> Arnold doesn't really say uh, knock, knock anyhow it's time anyhow. to die
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, uh, go ahead
1: yeah so with that they get their plan which i guess when you hear you need the greatest minds of the world when you hear yeah the martians um there are uh you know basically an infinity uh, tons of water surrounding their very vulnerable cities and there's a switch at the middle of it and if you flip that switch, every Martian on the planet dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just good that there were a lot of wise men to go. Hey, we should go down and flip that switch. <laughs> Phrenologists, guys, what do you think? Well, let's oh, consult right, right, the right, right,
0: flip switcherologist here. Yes, he's probably the guy to. Good thing we brought him along.
1: So yes, the uh, the painfully beautiful weak woman tells them of their plan and they're like you know what we should do like yeah that's why <laughs> yeah, i was telling you that you. why i noted
0: like one guy turning it <laughs> you idiots <laughs> yeah it's a uh you know i suppose when when germs water like ordinary table salt are the things that traditionally un- undo these invasions in the uh, history of popular culture this is um, leaving a big crank with like do not turn during summer instant death awaits uh sign pointing to it is is fits in with all those other ones
1: and it also i think i brought it up on on this particular book podcast the uh the excitement for canals. So this is really like you—you you have to put that in—in in mind as well. Mm-hmm. People were going bananas for uh, you know, and like emptying their bank accounts. Like I want a part of that canal they're building. <laughs> yes. So so, it, just remember, this is supposed to be super exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess you just—the uh, main association with them was Venice or something. Or I guess you were building. Uh... Well, you know, I think it was canals like, and stuff. Yeah, or? it was
1: like you know, a, it was like a space shot or something. Like, can you believe this? We'll yeah. be able to go, you know, here in like two
0: weeks. Ohio? Can you even imagine? Can you imagine the, the away to majesty? <laughs> yeah,
1: but hey, if it's if it's unknown, yeah, it makes yeah.
0: sense. It is funny. Like, just uh, what if we had this horribly mundane thing on Mars? yeah Yeah. there's a book make that
1: book make that the third act of a book please
0: (laughs) but this is uh this is we we've neglected to mention some of the little inter inter chapter um sub sub chapter titles but this is one of my favorite ones of the entire book so we boldly quitted the little satellite with our entire squadron and once more rapidly approached the red planet of war this time it was to be a death grapple and our chances of victory still seemed good Re- ready for a death grapple is the next. Uh, <laughs> is the next sub chapter heading? <laughs> yes. Which it begins with. This is amazing. So Edison's always been able to just uh, upgrade his machines as needed to to from crow feather strength to entire Martian strength. And uh, it says that where they're worried about uh, staying in the shadow of Mars, but then they're worried about once they leave the shadow of the Moon uh, that they're going to be reflecting light. Uh, but the precaution of the commander even went so far as to have the smooth metallic sides of the cars blackened over so they should not reflect light and thus become visible to the Martians. So, like, Edison just knew a chop shop on the side of the moon Demos where he could just have this car, like, painted black so it wouldn't, re- wouldn't reflect things.
1: Uh, did they really bring along, a, you know, many, many paint cans and guys... <laughs> Uh, hoisting rigs on the side of them and sitting on them singing sea shanties <laughs> as they painted the sides of the the things black?
0: That's like, amazing. what are they talking about here? Uh, the, the Wizard of Menlo Park, baby. He finds a way.
1: I, I, look, were I Garrett P. Service, and uh, thank God I'm not, okay. uh, wouldn't you think, like, he invented a... Uh, cloaking device a magnificent device whereby light would not be <laughs> nope. instead it's like cans of paint <laughs> I, I mean i assume how do they they didn't have you know they weren't doing it with sharpies i'm guessing
0: yeah i, I mean that that has to be what he's thinking i'm sure they didn't have spray paint either it's pretty great uh, and,
1: they're like sylvanus get in there and burn those corks and then we'll rub them. <laughs> <laughs> on the sides of all of our ships.
0: Well, I say this is below the uh, the station of the author of Calculus Made Easy, but I shall do it for the good of the mission. <laughs> but then oh. once they have painted the ships, they're like going out here. They're, they've found the great powerhouse of the Syrtis Major River. Uh, it says... Then a consultation was called on the flagship and a plan of campaign was quickly devised. So this is the point they, uh, that they have started to realize they need a, a plan to move forward here, um, which is struck me as very funny. Sometimes they've gone without a plan. Sometimes they've uh, waited until they're like literally huffing over the thing before they, they work on their plan.
1: I feel like once the plan is uh, instituted, this is. Uh, Garrett P. Service. I don't know what else he was writing. He probably had to get the kids to school or whatever. And like, <laughs> you got it, man, you got to hit your thousand word count for the week. And he's like, okay. Um. At first, the intention was to have twenty men, each armed with two disintegrators, that being the largest number that one person could carry to advantage, descend from the electrical ship and make the venture. But after further discussion, the number was <laughs> reduced, first to a dozen. And finally, to only four <laughs> <laughs> these four consisted of Edison, Smith, Phillips, and myself, so that that is obviously just burning a word count right
0: yeah, I, you know there's no other reason for that, and there's no other reason to specify that uh you know how uh you know, what's the most number of guns someone can carry? Well, how many arms do people have two? Well, then it's probably going to be two. I'm glad we took time to discuss this. <laughs> But, yeah, they, they didn't. he either went back or, and realized that those are the only characters he had named or just guys were, like, pussing out left and right. Like, who knows? Like, it, it would have been funny to have some of that dialogue.
1: I think maybe he just realized, like, it's, it's really difficult. You and I, we have both written at this type of thing. It's, t- it's tough to uh, display a lot of characters at the same time. To move them around in space and physically, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Sure. Keep track of them. Who's that's in the why room, I always, yeah. Th- yeah, that's why I always thought, man, that um, the uh, the Hobbit uh, movie, the book is hard enough, but that he just does it as a joke. But in the movie, they actually have to have those amount of characters around. <laughs> but doing it in a book, it's tough. Like, where is everyone standing? You have to do all the work yourself, and so he just goes, Ah, twenty's too hard. I'm gonna do four.
0: <laughs> in four. real time, he makes that decision. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, you know, I guess another way to do it would be, like, almost certain death awaits, like, you know, only four brave men, you know, were able to do it. So, um, but, yeah, to to gradually whittle it down is is quite hilarious. As is this, it says, uh, after our first encounter with the Martians on the asteroid, uh, some metal was included in their dress resisted the action of the disintegrators. Mm -hmm. So this is an important, you know, uh, thing here as we're going down there. Mr. Edison had readjusted the range of vibrations covered by the instruments, and since then we had found nothing that did not yield to them. Consequently, we had no fear that the metal of the network would not be destroyed. So that's more good storytelling. Just uh, good (laughs)
1: writing there. Instead of like the, uh, you know, poing, nothing happened to the metal things. (laughs) You know, death was at hand. Mr. Edison quickly devised a way by which the, nope, we figured it out in advance. Preemptively. If you were worried about that. It's worse than... The Hallmark movie where you know the the woman sees her her man like hugging someone, uh-huh. and then like there's 30 seconds of tension, and then like, well, I saw you back there with you know what's her name? Yeah, that's my sister. Okay, this is like worse than that. Yeah, that's <laughs>
2: Yeah.
0: By the way, I have an aunt who's going to be attending this gingerbread judging contest with me. So So if you see me hugging her. If you see me, yeah, it's not going to be a problem. (laughs) And then this is another thing that Service does. He loves inventing a problem that no reader would actually be concerned about, but then immediately explaining away with some preposterous solution before you've even had time to think about it. He says, there was danger, however, of arousing attention by shattering holes through the treetops. I hadn't really thought that that might be a danger, but it says this could be avoided by first carefully ascertaining how far away the network was. And then with the adjustable mirrors attached to the disintegrators, focusing the vibratory discharge at that distance. Okay, uh, good. I wasn't concerned. Now I'm even less concerned.
1: Um, This is amazing. And again, why did you not expand upon this? Like I want 750 words on this. For a moment, I feared our arrival had been betrayed on account of the altogether too noisy contest that arose between Colonel Smith... And Mr. Phillips, as to which of them would assist Aena to settle the dispute, I took charge of her myself. Why is that dialogue not in there? Come
0: on. Yeah, really. The, the, the horny three stooges, essentially, at this point in time.
1: Look, you mountebank, keep your filthy, grubby paws off of that lovely, charming creature. I'll put up your dukes. Marquess of Queensbury rules, my good friend.
0: Hello, one second. I just got a glimpse of her bra strap. Oh, take a look at that, Colonel Smith. Oh. Gentlemen, I saw, please, I will lead I her down. I saw upper ankle. Ah, you scoundrel. Fisticuffs, then. <laughs>
1: and then him calming him down and like, Look, look, both of you want to pick her up and grab her around her slender midsection, but I'll do it because you can't settle this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and she's just sitting there like, you know, looking at her nails being like, God, these idiots. God. <laughs> can is we, there
1: anyone else who could rescue me? Can
0: we get down there and slaughter nine-tenths of the planet, please? Uh, we got a great sentence, which is, at length, we were all safely in the tree. Um, which Isn't that how Go Dog Go ended? <laughs> big tree party? You're right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it says uh here's another uh, uh, uh Garrett peace service uh in a nutshell, then followed the still more dangerous undertaking of descending from this great height to the ground. Whatever will they do? Fortunately, the branches were very close together and they extended down within a short distance of the soil, so the actual difficulties of the descent were not very great at all. Phew. I'm glad we got through that. <laughs>
1: oh we we, also this is a repeated beat i mean we've had tree landings before right yeah when they found aena that was uh, how they did it they just
0: kind of hovered above the trees yeah and they they determined that the marsh mars looked red because the soil and trees were red so that's a we've we've had a lot about the trees already
1: uh i don't have a lot for this it's them like creeping to this there's a lot of sort of descriptions of interiors and and the uh, of course what we all know is electric candles were around <laughs> everywhere so
0: <laughs> thank you but, edison uh, i guess the mars had edison of their own
1: uh yeah but they go to a big chamber that is i don't know i assume the big uh you know the switching you know the the wizard of oz
0: room. oh sure that makes sense yeah but combined yeah. with you know a uh municipal waste plant or whatever
1: yeah yeah uh and they go there and then um they go like, all right, let's get this, let's drown these guys, and they they all run all over and start twisting things, <laughs> but then Edison's superpower he goes he goes stop it, idiots like yeah. let me just give me a second
0: yeah so let he, me read you what he says he says all of us they 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 blasted some guys." Um, with their disintegrators that were working there. And that says all of us began instantly to look about in search of the proper handle, seizing every crank and wheel inside and striving to turn it. <laughs> yes. So it's like, uh, yeah, well, it's all right. You've just uh, alerted them to your presence. You've uh, cut power everywhere. That just released uh, toxic stuff into the atmosphere.
1: And so he says, stop that, shouted Mr. Edison. You may have set the whole thing wrong. Don't touch anything until we found the right lever. And then... It was at that critical moment that the wonderful depth and reach of Mr. Edison's mechanical genius displayed itself. He stepped back, ran his eye quickly over the whole immense mass of wheels, handles, bolts, bars, and levers, paused for an instant as if making up his mind, then said decidedly, there it is. <laughs> and stepping quickly forward, selected a small wheel amid a dozen others, all furnished at the circumference with handles like those of a pilot's wheel, and giving it a quick wrench, turned it halfway around. And uh, th- therefore solving everything.
0: Solving a problem. Yeah, it would have been great if that was just a, a a huge electrical bolt, like shirts right into uh, Alonzo Jefferson Smith's crotch. Jefferson's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, wait, nope. One to the left. There, there that opens the uh, the gate. Sorry about and, that, Alonzo. And
1: service goes, that just happened. <laughs> and they cut to Aena who makes like a face and crosses her arms. Oh, <laughs> man.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I did enjoy that. Edison is just the uh, deus ex machina per, per, personified whenever you need him to be. It
1: is funny, though. His like, sh- you know, basically, shut up, you idiots. You know, like the three stooges are running around.
0: What if we did this? Hey, yeah. <laughs> Stop it, you dolts. <laughs> but yeah, that was sort of the, uh, they, they, they didn't really cover that, I guess. Aina had just seen one person turning one dial, but uh, you think that since they brought her along, she might be able to be like that one. But nope, they have to rely on Edison to do it.
1: That's right. She did, uh, I skipped that, but she did make an attempt at it. Like, oh. She's like,
0: um, eh, eh.
1: <laughs> and they're like, would you please? Please,
0: please. men can turn these dials. Uh, they, they. I also just enjoyed that they, when they said that they, they blasted the aliens. They swept them up and re, uh, swept them rapid, rapidly up and down in the manner which had become so familiar to us, uh, while endeavoring to store one of the gigantic Martians. So this is like a technique that they've now mastered, which is just, I imagine, you know. Dan Aykroyd doing like a comedic uh, Ghostbuster busting type of thing where he's like shaking and like his head is flopping up and down as they're doing this to the Martians just like waving it all around wildly and they're like well glad we have mastered this one because otherwise you wouldn't be able to just <laughs> point this in every direction at the Martian
1: and then the yes and uh, Dan Aykroyd like you know going to uh, uh, Chevy Chase or something like sweep sweep the thing <laughs> I don't know what you mean oh, by I, I am
0: sweep bagging I'm sweeping as hard as I can. (laughs) But that uh, is going to become important because the last thing of this chapter is surprised by the enemy. At this instant, a startling shout fell upon our ears. There was a thunderous clatter behind us and turning. We saw three gigantic Martians rushing forward. Whatever will they do as the chapter ends? You know, his readers will have to wait for next week, but we can move right on to chapter 15. And uh, whatever will they do is, sweep them, sweep them, cried <laughs> Colonel Smith, as he brought his disintegrator to bear. Mr. Phillips and I instantly followed his example, and thus we swept the Martians into eternity, <laughs> while Mr. Edison coolly continued his manipulations of the wheel.
1: Sorry. I mean, we've mentioned it many times, the, the serials that we watch, uh, that we do for rift tracks and that everyone's familiar with, and the... Um, this one I gotta give him credit for the end of it like and then turning we saw three that's how you do it. We mm-hmm. saw three gigantic Martians rushing forward. You'll have to wait till next week. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait. And then sweep them. We swept them. They were gone. Yeah. Like come on.
0: The a uh, recent one we did was uh Shazam is on a conveyor belt that's taking him towards a uh like super guillotine or something and it's just like how will Shazam escape and then in the the first seconds of the next one he goes to the guillotine the guillotine lowers it hits him and the guillotine breaks cuz he's a superhero and so right. it's like I, I paid my nickel and waited 2 weeks to see this in the theater right um, so they have uh, unleashed this torrential uh wave of wave of water and it's it's moving along um, and, but they haven't really made a plan for what have to done once they've done this. Edison has to say, we have done the work, smiling grimly. Now we had better get out of this before the flood bursts upon us. The warning came none too soon. So without Edison, the ultimate genius being there, they probably would have you know, sat around and, I don't know, started turning more dials or something. Let's see what this one does.
1: Well, speaking of Ghostbusters, can you imagine them? They're like, okay, the water comes flooding out and they're doing the... They're laughing and like looking at each other. <laughs> we got the water's coming out. And then all of a sudden, wow, <laughs> yeah. the water's coming out. And then, they go, and then they take off, you know,
0: doing comical runs away from it. Yeah, like, they're all trying to get through the door at the same time. Let, let me go first. Sweep. <laughs> no, now's not the time. <laughs> The water makes a wicked swishing sound, which I thought was pretty impressive uh, for water to have that uh, be personified to that degree. But it does say that uh, the uproar, everything was uh, so awful that for an instant, the cool of us, coolest of us, lost our self-control. So it is full-on uh, stooge Ghostbusters.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it's just a a long. Uh, fairly long for this, uh, just escape from the water thing. I don't have a lot for that, except oh, they, um, uh, their, the water is like up to their, you know, it's ankle deep. Now it's waist deep, and you know knees, and then they're just barely able to get out of there. And then here there was an opportunity to clutch some of the ornamental work surrounding the doorway. <laughs> and it made me laugh, like, well, I wonder what the Martians have as ornamental <laughs> stuff around their doorway like <laughs> patrick nagel stuff from the 80s or like clowns playing golf in heaven or you know just like an etsy man
0: cave sign type of thing
1: (laughs) It's like uh like weird uh big nose people that they can like oh put your foot on that nose and climb up (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: or they uh you know the scooby-doo bookcase where you have to pull the book down to uh to properly open the door Well, yeah,
1: he is saying ornamental, but he doesn't know whether that it could be, you know, circuitry or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Turn the dial. See if it works. Uh, More Garrett service drama. They're trying to get back to their ship. It says we no longer knew which direction was the tree by whose aid we had ascended from the electrical ship. We pushed first one way and then another staggering through the rushing waters in search of it. Finally, we succeeded in locating it with all our strength, hurrying toward it. So, well done, sir. Um, Aina Fates. Um, not really yes, sure.
1: she's a good '50s uh, yeah, lady, favourite yeah. type
0: of thing. I'm not really sure why she needed to be there because um, she didn't really know which dial it was. But Colonel Smith uh, lifts her into the uh, out of the water, and Sidney Phillips stood by his side and aided him in support of the unconscious girl. So, they're, even then, they're they're sort of struggling to be the one that saves her.
1: You know, Colonel Smith slapping his hand away. That's not aiding her by doing (laughs) that. Yeah,
0: walking his uh, fingers uh, suggestively towards parts of her. Um, But uh, even Edison seems to be out of ideas. He says, we stayed a little too long. But then suddenly a cry rang out from directly above our heads. And I had to look. That was the uh, 49th suddenly of the, of the book. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to go back to a uh, Nick Nol PI and make sure that that's not a, uh, uh a, a trope we lapse into.
1: I believe that was a, or for me, I, I may be wrong and I'll probably be caught on it and be a terrible hypocrite, but I think an early, you know, like high school creative writing don't use suddenly ah. things things do happen suddenly like that's how they happen yeah yeah hey
0: you know it's uh you, you you don't know it until you take a more critical eye to it so i hope i realize that now
1: uh but then you know is everyone who hasn't read the book and they're listening to this description are on tenterhooks <laughs> to use an old term Uh, wondering who is going to save them yes who will this person be (laughs) out of all the people that we've met my gosh i mean their names come immediately to all of our minds sylvanus
0: p moon Um, jewels guy moon
1: jewels uh the 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 uh various emperors oh the electrician no the electricians all died (laughs) no wait the uh well anyway it's tom 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 the uh, well I guess he's an electrician but he was from Edison's
0: shop the expert electrician from Mr. Edison's shop um, if you're like me I mean you'll of course remember Tom I mean he's been a discussed ad nauseum on the podcast but if you if you are just reading along we'll 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 have to remind you that uh several chapters ago Tom notably brought uh Edison the anesthetizer
1: yes yeah, gave him a little ball of gas right <laughs> that was tom yeah
0: that was tom It is only mentioned in the book but he comes up huge here Uh he's
1: hovering a ship over he's throwing ropes down yeah give me your head yeah he's wearing the um you know like a a a torn grimy uh you know scoop neck t-shirt with scratches on it from the fights that he's had like if you want to live, grab that rope,
0: <laughs> Tom. Ayena ga- regains consciousness and, like you know, looks up at it. He's the first thing she sees, like him, like you know, struggling to get her on board, and she's immediately in love. He has an eight pack. <laughs> it says, "By the time we had grasped the ropes, so rapidly was the flood rising, we were already afloat." With the assistance of Tom and his men, we were rapidly drawn up, and immediately Tom reversed the electric polarity, and the ship began to rise. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. At that same instant, with a crash that shivered in the air, the immense metallic powerhouse gave way and was sent tumbling like a hill torn loose from its base on the very spot where a moment before we had stood, one second's hesitation... On the part of Tom. And the electrical <laughs> ship would have been battered into a shapeless wad of metal by the careening mass. And and of Tom's involvement in this book. <laughs> yes. He showed bright. What
1: we missed was like one of the people not grasping the rope like, I'm
0: too weak. Uh-huh.
1: And Tom going, you know.
0: Not no. today, you aren't. You grab that rope. You've never given up on anything in your life. though no, you grab that rope. <laughs> he does Tom. the predator hand do. clasp with them, and Tom's just bulging arm like yes. pulls them on himself. So. I'm the electrician from the shop. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing that uh, as we're as we're you know you didn't name Moon Jewel's guy, you didn't name the uh, linguist who uh, who spoke up um, in the last section, but you're naming Tom. And it's it's the same name as the guy he works for. Like, what what are we doing here?
1: (laughs) That is kind of strange. I forgot to mention.
0: It it is just looking around the room Uh, and his name. He sees Edison. Tom. Uh, Damn it.
1: (laughs) Well, we're stuck with it. You wrote it in (laughs) chapter
0: uh, chapter three. As the water then, uh, the, you know, continues to spread across the country, we get some kind of sweet uh, uh, descriptions, I think. It says, as it swept on, it changed the entire aspect of the planet. In front of it, all life. Behind it, all death. <laughs> but then he also goes on to, uh, that's, that's a big, you know, sort of action scene, like a, uh, who's that, Roland Emmerich type of, uh, is what was unfolding here. Yeah. He, he does a really bad job of, of condensing it, though, because right after that he says, the continents that were being overwhelmed on the western side of the circus were mero, area, arabia, edom and eden. <laughs> oh god. A little wikipedia in there. And uh it says that we calculated therefore that about 2 days would suffice to place the planet at our mercy. So, you've unleashed this huge thing. You're going to, you know, in the in the movie you just, you know, you see a montage of all the suffering, but they're like, "Uh, we'll check back in 2 days and see if everyone's dead." I
1: also wondered you're just assuming this, but um, did you ever think that the Martians might have a plan against right. this? Like, right. Do you, are you aware of, hey, Aina, do they have any, like, shut-off valves in the middle of this? Like, um, I don't know. Maybe. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: oh, I didn't shit. really leave the harp room, you know? It's, uh... <laughs> yeah.
1: Probably do. I mean, that would be smart,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. She's stroking Tom's cheek as, they, you know, like, oh, that? Are we still talking about that? Like... <laughs> Can't we just fly out of here now? (laughs) But they do. He gets into. So essentially, I mean, this is a, they've essentially released a massive torrent of death upon an entire planet. So at this point, you know, 1898, the biggest moral issue that anyone's ever done essentially by turning this crank. Here's how he describes it. Um, we had let the awful lo- destroyer loose. We almost shrank from the thought of the consequences which had, we had produced. How many millions would perish as a result of our deed we could not even guess. <laughs> many of the victims, so far as we knew, might be entirely innocent of enmity towards us or of the evil which had been done to our native planet. It's like, yeah, that's like, that's like weighty That's the stuff you wake up screaming about years later, you know? Yeah but this was a case in which the good if they existed must suffer with the bad on account of the wicked deeds of the latter wow ice cold I,
1: that is just <laughs> that is a do the whole village mentality there
0: yeah. wow <laughs> and and to emphasize how little he cares about these death of millions that he's just initiated many of whom you know bore them no ill will he moves on to uh Discussing the geography again. I've already remarked that the continents of Mars were higher on their northern and southern borders. These natural barriers, boards, blah, 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 blah. More Wikipedia stuff. So, you know, the uh, the, the interesting stuff there is not the the moral wrestling, but to to the average reader here, it was, uh, is there a plateau anywhere? Um, do they have mesas on Mars? What about yeah, buttes? As,
1: as the... Um... You know, ships are going over, and I assume everything is going in slow motion, and we can see bodies, and, you know, it's probably like, you know, think of Pompeii times 8 billion or whatever, (laughs) like little children being overwhelmed by the water.
0: Yeah, mothers, you know, hugging them as uh, as the door fails to hold and the water rushes in.
1: Uh, Barber's Adagio for Strings is playing of course, loudly. Yeah. Hands uh,
0: sinking have, beneath the surface.
1: The phrenologists are, you know, in a, you know, huddled together singing Nearer My God to Thee and, and <laughs> weeping just giant tears. I'm <laughs> like, oh, hey, look, a butte. Yes.
0: <laughs> it is incredible. Uh, just I, I think it's just he has this uh, knowledge. He did the research and he wanted to figure out a way to use it.
1: Uh, but it does. Uh, to my point, uh, there are several um, uh, flooding hundreds of canals. Uh, canals come, come on, <laughs> babe. so if you are a fan of canals, yeah. uh, this truly is your moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is amazing.
0: <laughs> in fact, it uh, it uh, it reminded him. Uh, this is going to come as a surprise. It's something he's seen back on Earth. It reminded me of the pictures I had seen of the deluge in the days of Noah. So. Um, just as a uh, <laughs> the picture <laughs> a listener wrote in to be like "Eh, what uh, i think it was hayden he said uh, did, did ham have a uh, kodak back then yes. <laughs> um uh yeah and uh it says we were moved by a desire to help all our enemies yes. for we were overwhelmed with feelings of pity and remorse but to aid them now was utterly beyond our power. The mighty floods were out, and the end was in the hands of God. <laughs> wow. Kill them all and
1: let God sort them out.
0: Yeah, and God is like, ah, God here, don't acknowledge the Martians, uh, never have and never will, so don't put this on me, you weirdos.
1: Uh, Yeah, I uh, 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 I gave you a book. Saris is not part of my, uh, <laughs> not my people, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've got a... Uh, a uh you know a guy who just caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl who I've got to respond to because he thanked me and you guys are not uh, <laughs> not priority number 1 not really paying attention and it says then it says the end was in the hands of god fortunately we had little time for those thoughts because uh <laughs> it was dawn and some martian airships appeared
1: oh yes yeah yeah the the big uh this was a surprise to me mm-hmm A thousand Martian ships. (laughs) So there was a lot of like, this is, uh, hey, look, man, uh, this is really sad. We're destroying their entire planet. Uh, Man, they're done. Oh, hey, a thousand thousand
0: ships. (laughs) That's, you know, at this point in time, vastly outnumbers their fleet. I, I guess that's probably equal. They've lost half of their ships, I guess.
1: Yeah. So this made me laugh. The, uh, um, so, uh, they think they're, they've just won, like this is it. <laughs> the moment it was in this position, an electrical bolt was darted from its prow, and one of our ships received a shock, which, although it did not prove fatal to the vessel itself, killed two or three men aboard it, disarranged its apparatus, and rendered it for the time being useless. Ah, well that's their trick, is it? <laughs> said Mr. Edison.
0: <laughs> two or three men. Two or three. Ah could Please. you
1: you know so then getting back to uh you know the folded flag to the widow like uh, <laughs> uh oh thank you mr Edison. this is indeed a great honor yeah it was their their little trick they pulled i wasn't trick sure whether his. he died then or when but whatever like what you don't even know like i don't know it was two or three okay yeah. Why are you busting my
0: ball <laughs> he's looking back at the uh at the marie the navy officer you know holding the flag and being like it turns out it was three and (laughs) we only brought two of these so oh boy if you two would not mind can you do like the you know you get the flag on monday wednesday friday every other week alternate sundays it was yeah that's awkward Uh, but yeah then Edison says after he says that's their trick he says whenever you see one of their airships beginning to stick its nose up after that fashion because they stuck their nose up like the nose of a fish approaching the surface of a water to use a weird analogy when you ever see one doing that after that fashion blaze away at it
1: (laughs) Yeah. so this battle wages which is I found it very odd after all of this time but you know, he's got to, again, word count, got to kill it. Mm-hmm. There's just a bunch of ships below them sort of occasionally, you know, destroying one of their people. <laughs> but mostly what they're doing is just they're doing the whole village. They're they're coming in with, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, they're shooting fire into the uh, foxholes. Yes. And, you know, just roasting guys and screams and yeah. everything like that.
0: Screaming like Rambo and, and, and unloading a flamethrower on them.
1: And he says, it was like firing into a flock of birds that could not get away. Coming full circle with that crow thing. (laughs) Yes. Ah, long con. It
0: was. It played off. (laughs) That was why they tested it. That's right. Yeah. As our strokes fell thick and fast on all sides. Clarence Carter has been stroking up here.
1: (laughs) So... So did they denude these ships first, to like get rid of their uh, hull, and then uh, and then their naked little bodies were there, and then they shot them again? At well, a different... I
0: I think that since Edison had fine tuned their disintegrators to work on the metal as well, there was no need. It was oh, just that's true. I mean, that, since they had mastered the sweeping technique, that's what it was all about. It, but yeah, it, speaking of the you know the Rambo whole village here, it's just like you know uh, it describes it as a frenzy. Uh, they seemed to discharge their bolt without much regard to whether friends or foes were injured. And our eyes were nearly blinded by the ceaseless glare beneath us. And the uproar was indescribable. <laughs> Five indescribables in the book. I had to go look at this point in time. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, but he keeps saying, um, you know, man, are they just had our pity. It's, it's so horrible. <laughs> and then... Uh, in, in a little while, we had overtaken the front wave, which was still devouring everything. We saw it bursting the banks of the canal, sweeping away forests of gigantic trees and swallowing cities and villages, leaving nothing but a broad expanse of swirling and eddying waters, which, in consequence of the prevailing red hue of the vegetation and the soil, Looked as shuddering, we gazed down upon it like an ocean of blood flecked with foam and steaming with the escaping life of the planet from whose veins it gushed. Wow, yeah, we almost felt bad about it. We did, I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. You gotta sometimes cause the blood flecked foam to stream with the escaping life
0: of the planet. That sounds like he let someone else write that sentence. That is just metal as hell. <laughs> And Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith's uh, saying as he uh, as he looks upon that uh, ocean of blood flecked with foam, we have destroyed their (laughs) Elan. Yes, I'm very sure that the Martian who just, you know, like watched his screaming family drown is just being like, God, uh, uh, I had so much Elan before this moment and now it's gone. what are they
1: i i feel like elon is like i'm thinking of like cole porter writing a song with his (laughs) cigarette holder and laughing with his friends with a martini
0: jauntiness (laughs) wow yeah uh then we get this uh it says watching the destruction we too uh saw flitting in every direction but rapidly fleeing before our approach many airships evidently crowded with martians but neither armed for offense or defense offense or defense these of course we did not disturb For merciless as our proceedings seemed, even to ourselves, we had no intention of making war upon the innocent. (laughs) What? So that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good uh, doublespeak there. Uh, Or upon those who had no means to resist. What we had done, it had seemed to us necessary to do, but henceforth we were resolved to take no more lives if it could be avoided. So, you know, cancel the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, you know, we've got these guys to, to, to award it to right now.
1: Wow. That's like, uh, you know, starting the Ukrainian famine and then saying, like, I didn't want to wage war on them or anything. Like, we, <laughs> yes. just, yeah. we just, they just are uh, unable to have any food. It's, I didn't do anything. It's yeah. their fault.
0: The water is what killed uh, nine-tenths of their population. <laughs> not waging
1: war on them. Wow, that is a uh, ooh, Yeah, that's that's like a deeply evil couple of sentences.
0: Because <laughs> yeah, it essentially says, I mean, it goes into more of this, but uh, that's the end of that chapter. We can go to chapter 16 now. Chapter 17 begins with them um hovering over the lake of the sun uh for a front row seat for the carnage so they can watch the uh, deluge performance awful work in the morning. <laughs> yes. Um, And so, like, that sets the stage for some great stuff. But then you get, I think, the most boring sentence of the week, which was, Thalmasia, as I have before remarked, was a broad oval land about 1,800 miles across, having the Lake of Sun exactly in its center. And I don't recall that exact remark, but I I do like that that's something that he's like, you'll remember my famous catchphrase about Thalmasia. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: And then goes on to describe it even more, and you're like... Look, you may have said this, but you, you really are taxing me with this. Yeah, yeah. It's not fair to do that. We came for Martian blood. And then you, you sure get it from, uh, from Colonel Alonzo, what? I'm Jefferson one. Smith. Jefferson Smith. As Colonel Smith put it, you couldn't trust these coyotes. <laughs> The only thing to do was drown them out. I'm sorry for them, but I guess there will be as many left as be good for us anyhow. Like, dude? <laughs> churning blood waters. Yeah, it, it says, essentially says
0: they're down there watching Martians, like, try to get to the high ground, but knowing that, like, uh, it would only it would not even contain one in ten of those who sought refuge there. <laughs> yeah,
1: hey, you got to drown them out.
0: Again, our hearts sank with us at the sight of the fearful destruction of life for which we were responsible. Yeah, look at them coyotes. <laughs> wow, I like that. Essentially, every uh, every Martian is doing like the Jack and Rose thing of like not letting them onto the platform. It just like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and uh, it says that thousands upon thousands of Martians still remained here to become victims of the deluge. Some perhaps had doubted the truth of the reports that the banks were down and the floods were out. Others, for one reason or another, had been able to get away. Others, like the inhabitants of Pompeii, so there you go, had lingered too long or had returned after beginning their flight to secure abandoned treasures, and now it was too late to get away. Wow. It really is just the uh, adagio and uh, Samuel Barber. Uh, Ben, how does does our, our author react to this? It says that they, uh, (laughs) he essentially turns into a cartoon character himself. It says, um, when we had progressed to a point halfway up from the lake of the sun to the border of the sea, having dropped down within a few hundred feet of the surface, there suddenly appeared in the midst of the raging waters, a sight so remarkable that at first I rubbed my eyes in astonishment. (laughs) 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 So who knows when that cliche started, but that's pretty hilarious. And
1: Well, uh, if you were wondering what it was, and you know you were thinking oh, i 've got to read to find out what this is mm-hmm. no no you you get one of the uh, chapter heads uh, with an exclamation point at the end, so i don 't have to do it A woman forty feet high <laughs> and
0: uh, and then it's uh, it 's a woman forty feet it high. is it is, but you know some important details what, what do you think about the woman looks like you know is she just sort of a you know, uh, is it a Martian woman? It turns out she's from Ceres, so that's where the Giants of Ceres live on. But is she you know, sort of plain? Is she, um, you know, what is her is she a a working woman like you know with a, you know ripped arms from working in the soil on this planet? Like, well,
1: well nope. she's I mean, she's from Ceres and she's a slave. So I don't know, um, six breasts, yeah, two on her back, yeah. two on her knees, a tail
0: coming out of her forehead.
1: Yes, uh, fangs that sort of shoot out, but they've been clipped, of course, by her captors. Right, and she oozes
0: but, like a slug.
1: Yes, and yeah, there's a a poison that she normally would spray at her enemies, but because they clipped her fangs, it like sort of dribbles down her. She's a horrible sight to be right, afraid. and
0: she's been obviously, as we've said, a slave for for decades now, so she's not in peak physical condition. She's broken down. Yes. As perfect in form and in classic beauty as feature as the Venus of Milo, a magnificent, <laughs> magnified human being not less than 40 feet in height. The hottest woman they've ever seen. Towers above them in the uh, in the waters here. It says, uh, yeah, it says that she's the first. Uh, the woman from Seri. she was taken prisoner. Uh, by the Martians during the last invasion and since then has been a slave in the palace of the emperor who gets the uh, the first mention here. We covered him in real or fanfic, but that's just Aina casually dropping that there is a Martian emperor.
1: And, uh, you know, Colonel Alonzo Smith is like, uh, he maybe doesn't catch sight of her right away. Is like, uh, wow, she is quite large. Like, sounds good to me, more to hold on to. <laughs> like, no, I mean, she is uh, very like, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Tell me about it. She's 40 feet tall. She's
0: peering in the window of our ship right now. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, well, that coyote will hunt a roadrunner, that's for sure. <laughs> and so they say, uh, they, they, you know, I, I believe we read like, yeah, like they were like thinking about Pompeii. They, you know, the, the, the life was sort of starting to weigh on them. Very quickly get over that. There she stood with, uh, with a light white garment thrown about her erect, half defiant, half yielding to her fear, more graceful than any Greek statue, her arms outstretched yet motionless and her eyes upcast as if praying to her God to protect her. Her hair, which shone like gold in the increasing light of day, streamed over her shoulders and her great eyes were a stare between terror and supplication. So wildly beautiful a sight not one of us had ever beheld. So is Iena like being like, I don't know look, look at her ankles like, like <laughs> chu yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so every single guy is like save her, save her, but um she drowns and uh a uh, as the hot slave from Ceres drowns, someone else quotes another poem which I think was uh Thomas Hood, the water lady
1: <laughs> oh wow- oh you're right, right I missed that I did not look that up
0: yeah I just thought i don't know i didn't didn't recognize it, but uh um and as uh as Sydney Phillips as the uh, as the hot 40-foot slave from Ceres Drowned says, <laughs> If but for that woman's sake, I am sorry we drowned the planet. <laughs> How hot was she? This is incredible.
1: But a moment afterward, I saw that he regretted what he had said, for Aena's eyes were fixed upon him. <laughs> perhaps, however, she did not understand his remark, and perhaps if she did, it gave her no offense. Then why did you just... Right? Why did you mention it? <laughs> but you he, have no idea what you're talking
0: about. Yeah, I, I that was very curious too because essentially you think she's jealous and he's going to have to be like, oh, but you know, too tall for me. I mean, <laughs> some people might think that's that's beautiful, but nah, no no, mm, no. I like them your heights, honey. I mean, I mean you know,
1: uh, women's beach volleyball tall is fine, but uh, <laughs> this is a bit much. I also like you know they're all like staring at her and and reciting poems and like there are. 3 4 and 5 year old Martian children just like <laughs>
2: oh, god.
1: why did our god the one who knows the other god forsake us <laughs> oh.
0: Yep they don't really uh, the the ethics here are not uh, not going to be studied in a you uh, know graduate level class I don't think
1: Wow I was actually sort of I made that up I was kind of kidding about that and as I was scrolling down there's the actual drawing that shows the woman, and in the boiling sea are the faces oh, yeah. of the. <laughs> so I was just
0: sort of making that up. Drowned faces of the innocent. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, but you also get like people, you get sort of like Billy Zanes who are like mercilessly shoving back into the flood all latecomers to prevent yes. crowding on the land. That's amazing. And then it says <laughs> the uh, the Martians like who are like, you know, doing this. Uh, horrible you know act of survival eventually note them and says we were their conquerors and they knew it we were coming to demand their surrender and they evidently understood that also (laughs) um but then they decide to have a a confab mr edison suggests a parlay with the enemy and he says uh let's uh let's take aina with us i suggested and since she can speak the language of the martians we shall probably have no difficulty in arriving at an understanding um, which, you know, it, it, I, I tip my hat in their ability to remain uh, optimistic in the face of just this horrible amount of suffering they're witnessing.
1: Oh, I, at this point, I was slightly confused, though. Can't they speak the Martian, Martian language as well? well uh, from, it, from, the, from the guy, very, very Stanford, who point. They, Yep. who they blew up on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a good thing that guy died off screen, because otherwise he would have had to witness some pretty um, weighty horrors.
1: I do like though you mentioned the uh they're they're going to negotiate unconditional surrender, and uh Edison sounds pretty bored about it, like you know we shall have to go down and have a confab with them, I suppose <laughs> we can't kill them off now that they are helpless, but we must manage to somehow make them understand that unconditional surrender is their only chance, yeah.
0: I mean, uh, let's go secure <laughs> that unconditional surrender. <a> <laughs> did, what did so? I, what did they think they were going to do? You know, the Martians came to Earth to kill us all. So they set back up here. I, I guess it's you know having to having to witness it is is a different thing than just you know doing it theoretically. But like, <laughs> were they planning on negotiating from the beginning? Just you know, destroying everybody. It's 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 unclear. I guess he was making it up as he went along. Oh, completely. Yeah,
1: yeah they had no plan at all.
0: But it says that uh, we did not deem it wise, actually, to venture into the lion's den without having taken every precaution against a surprise. That is literally all you've done on your journey. You've, you've underestimated the Martians' abilities and intelligence and gone into things without a plan and then, you know, suffered the consequences every single time.
1: Um, and this is where it gets into the, I, I think I texted you or something about this, like, I, I'm actually angry now <laughs> at, at, at what they do.
0: They go into the palace with a bunch of their men? Yep. Well, yeah, with a bunch of men, including Colonel Phillips and Sidney Phillips, a party of 40 men. Why? <laughs> I mean, they're, the planet is at their mercy, right? Mm, yeah, but I, they have to negotiate surrender, I guess. Do they? I don't think so. <laughs> no, they... I,
1: it seems like they could just... Sweep everyone away with their things.
0: Yeah, or uh, Edison uh, got a coconut and turned it into a PA system, and we shouted our <laughs> right. demands at the Martian Emperor.
1: Right, like at the uh, you know the the famous album at the end of World War II, where the Emperor like every radio in the world had to be turned on, and then it was like we have surrendered, oh. and that was the <laughs> thing that stopped the. The uh, Japanese, but uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. anyway, they, they do it. It made me angry.
0: Yes, it, it doesn't make much sense, but uh, it does set up uh, one one. It's a serial, so you have to draw it out. You know, even in these final stages, I did like this. This was uh, um, as they go into the palace. They found ourselves in a vast antechamber, adorned after the manner of the Martians. <laughs> which is a uh, the Martians decorate stuff in, in the style of the Martians, which is a good Kleinian thing to do. Sure, a, yeah. The variety of 80s dance moves. I'm not going to explain what it looked like, but uh, there you go. Right. <laughs> but then, uh, I don't think they've seen them before, because they've just been dealing with the uh, the Martian workers and the guys who enslaved Iena. Um, it says, Grouped around the throne, some standing and others reclining upon the flights of steps which appeared to be of solid gold, was an array of Martian women. <laughs> Beautifully and becomingly attired. You don't say.
1: Despite their stature, for these women average 12 or 13 feet in height. Okay. Yeah, that's just in the sweet spot there. <laughs> the beauty of their complexions of a dark olive tint was no less brilliant than that of the women of Italy or Spain, <laughs> but not Seville, dear God! I oh, hope. Oh God! Oh my God! Parched lips and sunburned faces. <laughs> oh
0: my God! <laughs>
1: that is uh, amazing. Like so, that was a trope that just couldn't be. You couldn't get out of it. If there are women, they are just. They are hot underwear models, no Yeah, matter... And From the only, Europe, di- yeah. <laughs> yes, the only difference is... 12 to 13 feet 40 feet or <laughs> just sort of normal human height
0: yeah what is it is it raquel welch who became the 50 foot woman or whatever yeah uh, it's, it's that like she's wearing the fur bikini and stuff yeah. <laughs> oh man it's it just is it's nice to get a window into the the 1800s guy horniness too. just like service just flipping through travelogues to uh, italy or spade his wife's like where are you planning a vacation? Oh, no, no, uh, I don't know. I figured we'd go to Ohio. That new canal can get us there. Uh, <laughs> why are you looking at those pamphlets about Italy? I just uh, research for the book. <laughs> <laughs>
1: why, Garrett P. I never <laughs> frying pan to the head. Uh,
0: and then this is great too—a a, a, a slam on someone I've never heard of out of nowhere. It says there are some uh, at the top steps of a magnificent golden throne sat the emperor himself. There are some busts of Caracalla, which I have seen, that are almost as ugly as the face of the Martian ruler. So suck to, it, man!
1: I forgot to look. That up.
0: He was a Roman emperor in the year 200. The busts look pretty normal. It seems he looks a little like pissed off in a lot of them, but like he doesn't have you know not doesn't have an eye patch. He's not like uh, you know doesn't have the you know, dentures of a, one of those bald knobber guys. It's a fairly standard looking guy.
1: He's sitting around in the pub, uh, you know, reading his new chapter to his fellow in his writing group, and he, and he just starts getting animated. At the top of the steps, at the end, there are busts of Caracalla, and they like push him whoa, back down. the chair. Garrett, Garrett, whoa. Garrett! Yeah. Splash water in his face. <laughs> like, man, you gotta drop that every book you write.
0: <laughs> there's like a big slant Nobody knows who Caracalla. That guy had the ugliest bust i ever makes me so angry. The bartender is like putting the uh, gift he bought him, which is uh, suspiciously in a bust shape wrapping paper, uh, back behind the bar to try to not to try not to <laughs> him any further.
1: Uh, a bouncer has to come over. Uh, you guys got this under control? Like, oh, we're sorry, really sorry, really. He mentioned uh, Caracalla. Like, all right, all right, but I, I got my eye on you. Yeah.
0: Wait, wait, what's that, what is that tattoo on your bicep? Oh, my, is that it's that, oh, Garrett, no. I mean, no, he's, he's very strong. He used to play college football. Whew. Wow. And then, Ooh. this is where we get into the, uh, as we've alluded to, the excessive amount of phrenology, which really comes in strong in the last tenth of the month.
1: My God, so yes.
0: Very surprising. Um, I guess it was probably a heyday of it, um, but it says, it uh, says, to find in his appearance a striking confirmation of the speculation of our terrestrial phrenologists, his broad, misshapen head bulged in those parts where they had placed the so-called organs of combativeness, destructiveness, etc. <laughs> and I think that's uh, wrapping that up uh, with the etc. is, you know, the, the what, what phrenology deserves.
1: And the word that I got hung up on in that sentence is uh, the bulge in those parts where they had placed the so-called organs. Huh. Who's the they?
0: Martian phrenologist? Placing know. his organs around his head. <laughs> but they, they, they sort of say that, uh, that it, where it's bulging on his head is because uh, he's a military expert. And um, it all is a, a warlike ensemble. And it says the contrast between his truly terrible countenance and the Eve-like features of the women who surrounded his throne was as great as... As if Satan, after his fall, had reenthroned himself in the midst of angels. Settle the hell down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, this struck me as like, okay, man. Spotlight on phrenology in a way that uh, this happens in the Midwest, where uh, you know a snowstorm is going to come, and so the weathermen like nothing more than to like break in in the middle of you know Mm -hmm. the the greatest shows you've ever seen like (laughs) sorry to break in there could be two inches of snow today and like you're just like all right we we're familiar with this (laughs) it's like the phrenologists have their moment and like trumpets blow and like phrenologists take center stage (laughs) bring out the calipers
0: baby that's right. His head bulges at certain areas, and it's you know it's one it's it's a somewhat original idea in here because essentially what breaks it down. He's like, oh, <laughs> what is what is the term he used? But he says the Martians uh, is it brain culture. <laughs> he says the Martians use brain culture. They don't do book learning. They just like
1: yeah, they poke it into your brain. Yeah,
0: they 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 massage your brain until the uh, military part. Or the physics part is bigger, and then you just intuitively grasp all these subjects, which is like, uh, uh, all right, you know, in a in a better book, maybe you could stumble across that and be become horrified, or maybe people are doing it on Earth, uh, locking kids up and doing that. But it just, yeah, just sort of wedged in here like the geography of Mars stuff from Wikipedia, right?
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, as he he kind of looks around, so again, forty men march into a chamber filled with Martians and slaves. Mm -hmm. Again, why? I don't know. Uh, Apparently, the bitterness of feeling, which had led to the awful massacre of all her race, had not yet vanished. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, give it three, four, five more minutes. I don't know. Yeah. And then the bitterness of of feeling of the uh, entire family. Take
0: a deep breath, count to ten. All right. All right. Live and let live.
1: (laughs) Okay. Now, has your bitterness vanished? Okay. All right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they uh they they're scowling at her as they drew near and um it says that uh because our recent triumph had seemed so complete, I believe the Martians would be awed by our presence and would not undertake, actually, to injure the girl. I think we all had the same impression, but as the event proved, we were mistaken. So the uh, not-being-a-dumbass part of their brain must not be bulging uh, to, <laughs> no, to do that. perfectly smooth. <laughs> because suddenly one of the gigantic guards, as if actuated by a fit of ungovernable hatred, lifted his foot and kicked Aina. With a loud shriek, she fell to the floor. Um... And then it says, Sidney Phillips, forgetting the deadly instrument he had carried in his hand, sprung madly towards the brute who had kicked Aina as if he intended to throttle him, Colossus as he was. So I'm glad we had sorted out our military strategy by the time D-Day came around. (laughs) Because rushing in to try to, like, you know, strangle your enemies uh, probably wouldn't have cut it on uh, Omaha Beach.
1: Uh, And then a perfect example of service service esque mm-hmm. uh, who could adequately describe the scene that followed
0: <laughs> well let's see Man.
1: who's in the best position Man. to do that
0: <laughs> who yeah who was who was himself woefully uh inadequate for that task uh, throughout this entire tome we've we've read
1: who indeed and then of course he goes on to describe he tried it, it
0: yeah um
1: so there's a, like a terrible battle and then <laughs> This is where I got angry. Like, why did you do this in the first place? <laughs>
0: yeah. Um,
1: More um, of our men fell before their awful fire. And for the second time since our arrival on this dreadful planet of war, our annihilation seemed inevitable. What?
0: You, it was not inevitable at all. You went into their palace. With, uh, <laughs> to do the after you drowned 90% of the people. What did you think was going to happen? (laughs) Well, they hadn't observed the bulging on their brain. They hadn't observed the deceit bulges yet. That's true. (laughs) But yeah, there's like, uh, their Martians are doing a uh, crinkling beams of death fire. And then the guys, uh, Earthlings in return, are melting them with their disintegrators like rows of snowmen before a licking flame. And then their annihilation seems, the line after our our annihilation seemed inevitable is, But in a moment, the whole scene changed. It was
1: a panic of giants. They trod one another underfoot. They yelled and screamed in their terror. They tore each other with their claw-like fingers. (laughs) They no longer thought of resistance. The battle spirit had been blown out of them by a breath of terror that shivered their marrow. They're tearing each other apart with their claws. I can't even think of anything this horrible. Right. Yes. Like Stalingrad, you know, like zombies wandering around eating other humans. Like this is
0: awful. Yes, it's incredible.
1: And it was all you didn't need to do it. You could have hovered your ships over this palace and disintegrated but them. But that's, that's what, what happened. you're doing anyway. Yeah,
0: that's so that this is what happened. They they're they're both mowing each other down and then Edison's ship outside just like Blah, like blast through the window, a bigger disintegrator and starts um disintegrating the Martians where they stay at. It's amazing.
1: And and then there's a uh, there's another uh illustration. Illustration here and it's titled It's like, you know, dead, bulging, horrible bodies all over. The remorseless slaughter of the Martians. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were going to do that, so kicking Iena was the thing that caused this? Right. Just stay in your ships and disintegrate the whole palace. And you know, you already showed your willingness to do it. You you went oh, well, you know. So you, get, you know, eggs omelets kind of a thing. So,
0: <laughs> but yeah, oh yeah, it, it should be titled the second remorseless slaughter of, Martians. <laughs> yes. of the. Uh, but uh, I guess these ones were more deserving of it, yeah, because they kicked the pretty girl, right. Yeah. Uh, where's the other thing? It says they were blown away before the withering fire of the ships by the hundred until fleeing from destruction. They rushed madly driving their unarmed companions before them into the seething waters of the flood close at hand. So they're, you know, they're just deciding whether to die in the fire of the ships or in the uh, raging torrent of the flood. So the, uh, it does, it does sort of show you that neither Martian nor earthling are really thinking anything out before they start just going in guns blazing to these situations.
1: Oh, I just feel like uh, at this point, um, Garrett P. lost the he kind of lost the plot and was like, did I did I do this yet? (laughs) Who cares? That was like seven weeks ago. (laughs)
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what's the life expectancy in 1898? There's a decent chance most people aren't even making it to the end of my thing. I mean, (laughs) Uh, that's the end of that chapter. And chapter 18 starts at 17. I don't know which one it is. Starts with uh, the emperor survives. This is the last chapter, I think. And it says, uh, pretty much the emperor, it says he survived because, uh, due to the fact that the position and elevation of the throne were such that it was not within the range of the fire of the electrical ships, which had poured their vibratory discharges through the windows. So you just have to give a deep, weary sigh and be like, okay, sure, whatever, like, um, but then it says that Aina was also fine and was quickly restored to consciousness. Yes, Had she so. been killed, we would have been practically helpless in attempting further negotiations. What? <laughs> what negotiations are going to happen at this point?
1: There's like marrow in your eyes. From <laughs> what are you talking
0: about? negotiations? Are you going down the chain of command to find, you know, the uh, like the, the, the keep the stenographer of the Martian Congress to be like, hey, buddy. Can you uh can you approve a truce good okay Uh
1: but uh so he says the Martian monarch saw that we had ceased the work of death Nice He sank upon his throne there he remained leaning his chin upon his two hands and staring straight before him like the terrible doomed creature who fascinates the eyes of every beholder standing in the Sistine Chapel <laughs> and gazing at the last judgment Uh do you I, I i can't immediately recall it i saw it when i looked it up it was like oh yeah i i know that
0: oh no i only know the big thing in the center
1: <laughs> but uh unfortunately it's he is only holding one hand to his chin so
0: <laughs> nice so garrett p little uh mandela effect from garrett p's high school trip to sistine chapel
1: yeah or he was just attempting to go like shit <laughs> these philistines won't know the difference they've never been there where are they going to see it <laughs> but it struck me as funny like hey man you got it wrong the one thing you wanted to do
0: <laughs> and he describes the uh the wicked martian as he's sitting there in that pose the wicked martian also felt he was in the grasp of pittiness and, and irresistible fate and then a punishment too well deserved from which there was no possible escape now confronted him and i was just imagining the martian being like what no, I was trying to remember the name of that annoying kid in the uh, Dunkin' Donuts munchkin ads. What was his name? Oh. Oh. And who was the guy that was the singer for the band Live? Uh, oh, no, but yeah, uh, Pitiless and Irresistible Fate. That's what I'm thinking of.
1: Right, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, now that I look around, there is a lot of Pitiless yeah. and Irresistible I wasn't thinking of it, but now I am.
0: So let's negotiate. We'll, we'll surrender a Mason Reese. That's who it was. <laughs> that was that's, Mason that's, all right, Reese. Sure, I'll sign the, I'll sign the surrender. <laughs> um, and he, uh, he gives a fairly badass speech. Um, Iena, uh, speaking through Iena Edison says, you know who we are. We have come from the earth, which by your command was laid waste. Our commission was not revenge, but self-protection. What we have done has been accomplished with that in view. You have just witnessed an example of our power the exercise of which was not dictated by our wish, but compelled by the attack wantonly made upon a helpless member of our own race under our protection. <laughs> which I was like, again, you know, tip the hat. That's uh, Liam Neesony.
1: Yes. Yes, uh, you picture it sort of, you know, yeah, sitting down in a chair and pulling the other chair close and saying that to them.
0: Mark my words
1: and listen closely.
0: <laughs> Somewhat undone by the fact that you know it would be like Liam Neeson's hot daughter in the movie giving the uh, the phone speech. The uh, remarkable set of skills uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it undercuts it a bit when you have to uh, when you have to do that. <laughs>
1: uh, but then, as I mentioned before, the uh, here's the the double nature of the the technicality um, thing is uh, Edison says, well. That's really the best we can do, said Edison, turning to us. We can't possibly murder these people in cold blood. (laughs) All right, put a pin in that. The probability is that the flood has hopelessly ruined all their engines of war. I do not believe that there is one chance in ten that the waters will drain off in time to enable them to get at their stores of provisions before they have perished from starvation.
0: (laughs) Uh, <laughs> the Martians are begging for the uh, begging for them to murder them in cold blood. Please don't draw it out for us.
1: <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, just sort of coldly stated like the wizard of Menlo Park. <laughs> I didn't kill him. Yes. Uh, all of Mars is dead, sir. Uh, I I mean this courtroom has to adjudicate Did you see me kill them? <laughs> through your telescopes? Did you see me? No, I did not thank you i'm leaving this yeah, is a this right. is a kangaroo court
0: <laughs> we we haven't we do have a record of the, the the grim speech you made that was essentially saying this is just retribution for what you did like, <laughs> um yeah that, that's amazing too i also noted just now that so there's a what is it a one in ten chance like that i believe it was also a uh uh not one in ten could fit up on the plane when they were escaping the thing so garrett p has got his own little uh james James when fascination with the specific percentage here and here we go this one warranted i can't count them but i think it's at least 22 exclamation marks for this sentence Uh, so edison has just said they're all going to die from starvation this is the next sentence oh yes (laughs) it is my opinion (laughs) so this is a a it's not what he says it's the stage direction it is my opinion said lord kelvin who had joined us parentheses his pair of disintegrators hanging by his side attached to a strap running over the back of his neck very much as a farmer sometimes carries <laughs> his big mittens and <laughs> of parentheses and he gives some sort of bull. Uh, who cares what he says what an anal- what a what a description for all you've just said for everything in this book you've deemed indescribable To say that he's got his dual wielding, you know, big guns hanging as a farmer sometimes carries his big mittens is one of my favorite things I think we've ever covered on the podcast.
1: Let them starve. Let every one of them suffer. Let them see their children's. Ch- oh, you've
0: got big mittens <laughs> hanging around. Here. Lord Kelvin, I know we haven't mentioned you in a while, but this is. I mean, this just reminds me of uh, the time I saw a farmer carrying his big mittens like that. You just. Uh, I, sorry, sorry. Keep going. Keep going.
1: <laughs> but he, uh, Lord Kelvin, does say some pretty incomprehensible crap. Maybe his mittens muffled the meaning of it. I don't know. Sure. It is my opinion that the flood will recede more rapidly than you think and that the majority of these people will survive. Huh. Oh, okay. Well, that changes things quite a good. But I agree with your merciful view of the matter. We must be guilty of no wanton destruction. Probably more than nine-tenths of the inhabitants of Mars have perished in the deluge. You do not say? It, w- even if all the other survived ages would elapse <laughs> before they could regain the power to injure us. Lord Kelvin, are, are, is there like liquor in those uh, mittens <laughs> around your what are you saying the majority will survive but nine tenths of dead and the,
0: it is just like, no, the majority it, of the one tenth is going to survive i mean so you got 50 percent of one tenth what is that i don't know i'm not uh, sylvanus p i don't know calculus
1: yeah he's your he's your friend's husband that you have to uh tolerate you know like Oh, you married that guy? Oh, yeah, I can't wait to have dinner with him. And then he's like, You yeah, don't know. Seriously, man. No, you... you oh, sh Listen, nine tenths are dead. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it, Gary. Yeah, you're right. But, but I, the majority are going to live. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I... Totally, totally. No, and,
0: you don't believe me. And look at this. If you take nine tenths on a calculator and multiply it by fifty-one percent of a tenth, which is... The majority, you turn it upside down, it says boobs on <laughs> the right, calculator. That's...
1: Yeah, Gary. Yeah, and your friend looks at you and just like does the shrug, like yeah.
0: mm-hmm, I yeah. married him. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about there? I don't know. It's incredible, especially would, for would... for his first appearance in quite some time. Yes, uh, but that that moves on to the next line. The Martians submit. I need not describe in detail how our propositions were received by the Martian monarch. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he took the oath, he did something. Through it all, there had been the shadow of a sneer on the Emperor's face, which I did not like. And so going back to the Lord Kelvin, it says there would be ages before they could regain the power to injure us. Of course, that's going to be the only thing they think about. The, uh, you know, the the movie ends and it's the post credit scene of like, you know, the the remaining, you know, 200 Martians. You know, like working to build the next thing, just like with a poster of Earth on the wall, just like hating it and shaking their fist at it. Like it's going to be the only motivating thing in their entire life is gaining revenge on the Earth. It's also that uh, that he doesn't
1: say anything. So like you said, he took the oath. The business was completed through all of them in the shadow of a sneer. Which I did not like, but I said nothing. So the, like, the emperor is doing like he's pointing his two fingers at his eyes and then pointing them at Garrett's and like, sucker, you're going to die, you piece of shit. I can't wait to destroy. I'm going to twist your child's head off like right in front of you as you wail in pain. And he's like, huh. All right, we'll see you later, man. Ayeen <laughs> is looking hot today.
0: <laughs> the emperor's warlike like bulge is like getting even bigger, and he's trying to like push it down with his left hand so they don't <laughs> notice like, how much more warlike he's getting in real time.
1: Oh, and all you have to do is like sweep your disintegrator over him. Yeah. Problem
0: solved. Yes,
1: it's yes. so bizarre.
0: <laughs> but they're sort of distracted because they are now thinking of a return home. And of the pleasure we should have in recounting our adventures to our friends on the earth. So, uh, how'd it go, guys? Great! We committed the greatest genocide that the world has ever seen, and half our crew died. Uh, I take a lot of pleasure in telling you this. <laughs> <laughs> we get this detail too. It says that they're, uh, they're, like, taking a day or two to, you know, stock up or re- re- refuel or something. yeah. The the compressed food had proved not only exceedingly agreeable to the taste, but very nourishing, and all of us had grown extremely fond of it. Just uh, a—of all the details you've left out of your book, that's an amazing one to to include. And it's very—are they starving them or not? They're, like, giving
1: them provisions, but Uh, then they're taking them themselves— yeah I, I just didn't understand that
0: yeah I mean was, someone said it's going to you know the, all the water's going to wipe out all their resources, but we're taking what they do have left that wasn't touched by water <laughs> uh,
2: but it was
1: not with very good grace that the Martian Emperor acceded to our demands that one of the storehouses should be open, but resistance was useless, <laughs> and of course we had our way <laughs> so they're all dead yeah what do you? what
0: yeah (laughs) they're all dead and then he says in considering the matter of provisioning the fleet this so they're like loading up the fuel they're like all right grab uh rations for 2000 and lord Kelvin's like actually (laughs) uh, collar tug out of the hundred ships uh carry more than 2000 souls there remained only 55 ships and 1085 men um Mm -hmm. so like that that also might damp down the pleasure of telling our story quite a bit
1: Uh, Lord Kelvin, of course, did the collar tug after he had moved the farmer's mittens away from (laughs) it. These things are getting in the way of my collar tugs.
0: But then it also says the very next sentence is, uh, Among the lost were many men whose names were famous upon the earth and whose death would be widely deplored when the news of it was received. (laughs) Wow. Fortunately, that was not a word you probably expected to hear next. Fortunately, this number did not include any of those whom I have had occasion to mention in the course of this narrative. So, it's just and the resting, the uh the uh 900 and uh 915
1: dead. Yes, that was amazing. Cuz he gives the actual numbers. And and surely there were. It's kind of like you know when the Titanic sank. People mm-hmm. were like, "Wow, you know what's his name and what's her name and Lady what's his name were on that." Yep. And uh, half of their forces wiped <laughs> out. He's like, I, I don't remember. I didn't know them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Bunch of dingalings lings that got up here. Uh, <laughs> Lord K- Lord Kelvin, and Sylvana's P are all right. Not to mention uh, Sidney Peters. <laughs> this is uh, this is pretty awesome too. It says uh, we learned from Iena that there must be stores of provisions in the neighborhood of the palace because it was the customs of Martians to lay up such stores during the harvest time in each Martian year in order to provide against the contingency of an extraordinary drought. Um, irony much? <laughs> 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 uh, so that was fun. And then they also realized that there was uh, comparatively little salinity in the Martian seawater, so they're able to drink all the water too. So that's nice.
1: And uh, and then finally, an explanation for why the Martians, with you know as smart as they were, I mean those bulges,
0: bulges (laughs) in the bed only though, because they are quite unsightly.
1: Uh, One word of explanation may be needed concerning the failure of the Martians with all their marvelous powers to invent electrical ships like those of Mister Edison. Uh, their failure was simply due to the fact that on Mars there did not exist the peculiar metals by the combination of which Mr. Edison had been able to effect his wonders. Should have traded with those clowns over on Ceres, you dipshits. Yeah, they got a whole
0: lot of tungsten that would have come in pretty handy.
1: Uh, instead, you're shooting your own ships out of cannons like yeah. a bunch of morons, <laughs> idiots.
0: It's amazing. Just you a- guys
1: want some nickel? Like, nah, we'll take your women instead. Oh, well we'd give you and we'll trade with you no we'll we'll hover down we'll hunker down in our canals
0: <laughs> that is even worse than signs you know it doesn't come down to they can't stand water it's they didn't have enough zinc <laughs> right <laughs> that was their great undoing oh.
1: <laughs> and you know they're the uh the the big zinc trader from saris is like in the palace like looking at the uh, emperor and like, yeah, we'll trade you. I mean, it's pretty simple. Like, um, you guys got, uh, w- we need uh, saline, and you have that. And, uh, yeah, we're actually short on water, but we have, we have the zinc that you need, so... <laughs> sounds good to me. Like, why are you doing that? It sounds like you don't really...
0: Why is the evil like, sector of your brain bulging? That's, yeah,
1: things are bulging in places they should not be bulging. I'm not going to trade with you. You guys can just die here.
0: Oh, God. Damn my normal way of speaking. <laughs> uh, so essentially, yeah, that's where he does the phrenology deep dive. I encourage you to read it uh, because that's where it gets into brain culture and, uh, you know... Po- poet bulges, uh, literary, literary uh, head bulges, um, all that stuff. It's, it's it's great sci-fi stuff from the 1800s. But then it gets into the thing. I think we covered it, real or fanfic, where the Martian, um, the Martian Emperor is disintegrated because he shakes his fist at the ships. But then yes, uh, and a so good. a woman stumbles against him, and he 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 backhands her down to the earth, and uh, that is too much for Colonel Alonzo Jefferson Smith. <laughs> Uh, who uh, the entire force of the terrible engine, almost capable of destroying a fort. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the, they've got it turned from crow's feathers uh, past crow uh, all the way up to fort, on, to the, fort. Uh, on the side. Fell upon the Martian emperor and not merely blew him into a cloud of atoms, but opened a great cavity in the ground of the spot where he had stood. So he, uh, you know, it's just, he's all black ashes. He, he blinks a couple times and then the eyes fall to the ground in the pile of the ashes. <laughs> oh and uh this isn't the last chapter but uh it does say uh aina says that monster was more directly responsible than any other inhabitant of mars for all the wickedness of which they had been guilty it's like ah, did you did you want to uh eh, explain that to us before we turned the crank um She goes on the expedition against the earth was inspired solely by him. (laughs) Uh, Not hearing this uh, culpable deniability uh, did not hear that. It was just one guy's idea to white out earth. They're not an entirely warlike race. Uh, Uh, The
1: engine's really loud What are you (laughs) saying I said he prolonged his existence According to this legend By drinking the waters Of a wonderful fountain (laughs) The secret of whose precise location Was known to him alone Which was situated at this point Where in our maps When were they
0: showing you this stuff Yes I had to look that up I do not believe they mentioned The fountain of youth uh, Earlier in in the tale And then she goes on to say He was personified wickedness That I know And he would have never kept his oath not invade earth if power had returned to him again it's like again information that could have been valuable as we were like making the the handshake agreement uh this guy's not going to keep this promise you should just blast him now oh so funny
1: and all of this being said by the way in her um i mean the original tongue of man so i don't know is it something sort of celtic and like (laughs) <laughs> and they're all going uh-huh uh-huh yeah okay fountain of youth For sure. yeah. Yeah, that yeah. out. got it God, yeah. we,
0: glad we blasted him into ashes uh, uh and then it says yeah he he in destroying him you have made your victory secure um end of chapter when at length we once more saw our native planet so blah 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 we're home <laughs> Uh, and they, uh, they they got there just fine. They land in Japan on Mount Fuji, and uh, it says that the ships containing the Japanese members of the expedition, by the way, there were Japanese members of the expedition, <laughs> <laughs> left them in the middle uh, of their rejoicing countrymen. So I imagine there's some you know Japanese guys being like, I'm from one of the other islands here. This is going to take me weeks to get back. Can you not drop <laughs> me off? This is, <laughs> honestly, really? <laughs> Come on.
1: Also, um, as they were returning, did they have any fear that they were different colored ships so (laughs) no one on earth would recognize them? And like, hey, um, you know, we've built tons of Edison's blasters. Those are clearly not our ships. (laughs) Let's blast them out of the sky. Yes,
0: absolute. Like, you know, we cannot be too careful here.
1: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so this is very um, super constitution-y as they just kind of like round the earth of mm-hmm. uh, dropping off people and having little celebrations
0: <laughs> yeah from asia crossing the caspian sea we passed over russia visiting turn moscow and saint petersburg now germany appeared like now italy we're really checking in on all our good friends we're gonna and this is just uh good to see them we'll drink these people back give them a couple decades we'll maybe visit them again when you know see how things are going
1: yeah, I'm sure everything will be, uh, you know, jello and pudding yeah. when we see them in two decades. Yeah. Can't wait. Also, a, a, a little um,
0: copy of, you know, uh, communist manifesto uh, falls out of the back of Aina's, uh pocket and uh, <laughs> some guy in Russia picks it up. Mm. Butterfly
1: effect. <laughs> um, also, did they, uh, so they're like, hey, you know, we're home. Everything's good. Let's just do, they decided to just do a, you know, let's. A last lap you know like the uh, tour de france guy going around the, i'm just gonna take another lap because i'm here um the the two or three guys who are vaporized their widows are like hey you guys got any news like ah we're we're
0: popping champagne in uh in marseille
1: we'll be back around to you yeah.
0: victory tour first then the bad news uh don't ruin the party man don't bring everything yes. down <laughs> oh and speaking of that, yeah, it says the again was the air was filled with bursting rockets, shaken with the roar of cannon and with volleying cheers poured from millions of throats as we came to rest directly above the city. 3 days after the landing of the fleet, I received a beautifully engraved card inviting me to be president of Trinity Church at the wedding of Aena and Sidney Phillips. <laughs>
1: so the wedding was done in the original language of man.
0: <laughs> to a woman who evidently can breathe our air and uh, isn't susceptible to whatever diseases killed the Martians as well. Good to know.
1: Uh, but this is the greatest thing in the world. And uh, um, because he's marrying, of course, Sidney Phillips, Edison was... Uh, Edison, Lord Kelvin, all the other members of the crew of the flagship. uh, Which, how many were on
0: one ship? I think it was 20 per ship.
1: Okay. And Colonel Smith, attired. So this is uh, Colonel Alonzo Jefferson. Smith uh, was a man and a soldier, every inch of him. I asked her for myself, he whispered to me after the ceremony, swallowing a great lump in his throat. But she has had the desire of her heart. I'm home back to the plains, <laughs> I can get a command again, and I still know how to fight, Compadre. Yeah. you got me, me ho. Little tear rolls in the corner of his eye, yeah. he, and he and his mustache and his he tilts his hat over his uh, eyes, and he's off. Yeah,
0: he he walks out the door, and uh, Sidney Phillips. They make eye contact, and he tips his hat. You know, she, she married she married the better man. <laughs> she got the right one this time, me ho. <laughs> He essentially goes to become Clint Eastwood and Unforgiven. <laughs> that
1: was amazing. <laughs> that, I did enjoy that. Was a gift. I did like that.
0: Yeah, just the little uh, the love triangle. I mean, I wouldn't say it 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 pays off, but it does. Uh, no, you know, it's because it doesn't have any. It, it was not earned, but it is hilarious because that is the second to last paragraph of the book. Of yes. Alonzo Jefferson Smith returning to the to the front to the Western Front. And then it ends uh, ends thusly. And thus was united, for all future time, the first stem of the Aryan race. (laughs) Oh, boy. Which had been long lost but not destroyed with the latest offspring of that great family. And the link which had served to bring them together was the faraway planet of Mars. And I still hear the shrieks of those children.
1: (laughs) I cannot sleep. <laughs> Mrs. Service yes. is very worried about me. I didn't know that uh Sydney Phillips was so he was a member of the Aryan race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, cuz this is the uh the great uniting of it. And uh you know, the perfect race is let's see Trinity Church. I mean, I assume that would be some sort of Protestant uh church or maybe methodist or okay. something so that that is of
0: course the perfect religion and perfect race <laughs> and boy is it going to be a heck of a century for our race the Aryans to reiterate, oh, is the...
1: nothing but peace and <laughs> prosperity for all for all
0: wow well that is another book
1: man did, he did not follow up on this book, of course.
0: Oh, I mean, you know, he wrote those other books. There was the one with like the crab creatures coming off of a UFO. I uh, assumed that was probably a little less weighty in its uh, in what it was trying to tackle. But uh, yeah, I, I, no one has recommended another Garrett Peace Service in all of the emails we've received. So we will see. But what I'm saying is, forward.
1: it's not like um, you know Sydney Phillips and Iena, you know. And there are three children and then the adventure starts from there, is yeah. what I'm saying.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, if there was a follow-up to this book, I I, I wouldn't read it immediately, but I would definitely be intrigued. Just right. as a, uh, I mean, if there is any any if, if he wrote something that was post World War One or something, that would be uh, very interesting to see how his worldview had changed or something.
1: Oh well, then we we would get into eugenics at that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just uh see if phrenology plays out throughout his work uh i don't know i think i uh I, I enjoyed it it was it was dry at times and obviously took its time doing things but there was a lot of fun stuff in this one to latch on to i think
1: oh man i uh i think between our two old-timey books i think this is this is more
0: fun oh yeah they more fun than uh irene idlesley yes yeah i agree it's uh that that one had some very funny prose and stuff like that. Like I don't think his prose was as intentionally purple as that, but uh, just to to read something in the style of one of those Batman serials and to see how that plays out by a not particularly good writer is was, was a real treat.
1: So, I I enjoyed it. Yes, I'd, I'd I did. Rank,
0: rank it in the uh, the bottom of the upper third, I would say.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. I think his yeah. It fewer descriptions of land masses and uh fewer um you know wikipedia dumps would have made it you know chef's kiss
0: <laughs> but yeah those were easy to skip over and uh get ahead to the uh phrenology or hot 40 foot women
1: yeah yeah
0: that,
1: that is a great trope the uh you know women uh, did make me laugh where the uh fainting of the women is just a thing <laughs> like w- w- what's what's wrong yeah. what is the medical condition
0: <laughs> yeah was this happening in your life that it was something you just everyone knew and would relate to
1: yeah It i i saw it in a it was in a movie recently you know an older movie and someone was just fainted and everyone <laughs> went well that's you know That's women. I was like, how long did that weird thing persist?
0: Like, that's not, I have never seen in my entire life seen anyone faint. Oh, man. My friend fainted once at our, like, high school, like, pre-graduation baccalaureate ceremony. It was in, like, a church, and he, like, fainted, hit his head on a pew. Like, it was one of the most, like, horrible and shaking things I've ever seen. So for it to just be something that people uh, (laughs) were routinely encountering is preposterous.
1: Yeah, they would, you know, a hand to the forehead, and their knees would kind of give out, and they would fall backwards gently.
0: Onto a fainting couch, a unit of furniture that they had, you know, expressly developed for the purpose.
1: Yes. No, now that you mention it, I did see, a, during a wedding, I did see a oh, like a I, very tall man go straight forward like a felled oak and yeah, hit the this ground. Guy, this guy was six foot four, that. too. So so. This is a guy. <laughs> Maybe so that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, I think that we have too many good emails that we'll reserve that for a, uh, a bonus mailbag next week. But let's, cl- let's conclude this with some dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big. big. All right. Uh, we have covered a lot of these, obviously. They were they were all pretty good. Um, uh, Curtis submitted, uh, Suddenly one of the gigantic guards, as if accentuated by a fit of ungovernable hatred lifted his foot and kicked Aina. <laughs> <laughs> Justin submitted, but this was a case in which the good, if they existed, must suffer with the bad on account of the wicked deeds of the latter. He said, maybe dumb is the wrong word. Horrifying sentence. Uh, <laughs> Craig submitted the uh, the grown extremely fond of the compressed food. Um, and he he pointed out that just a few sentences after that, they find out that there's only 1,085 left from the original 2,000. But they're, uh, hey, this is uh, this is better than airline food. <laughs> Uh, Braden submitted <laughs> these. Of course, we did not disturb. For merciless as our proceedings seemed, even to ourselves, we had no intention of making war. Um, John submitted this one, and he wanted it read right a certain way. It says, "From the valley of Kashmir to the planet Mars. What a romance!" Explained one of the bystanders, and he said, "I can't help but hear Tommy Wazo's voice. <laughs> oh, what a romance, Mark! <laughs> I knew that. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mike submitted." I didn't, I didn't catch this one. It was about an hour after midnight when the ship in which we were to make the venture parted from the remainder of the squadron and dropped cautiously down. He said, so in other words, it was about 1 a.m. The name of the time. That's about one hour after midnight. Uh, Hayden submitted the, uh, the the pictures he'd seen of the deluge of the days of Noah. And that was a guy who said, like, Ham had a Polaroid. Uh, Heather said, uh, our ships were firing through the windows. And she just said, why, why? If you have disintegration rays, why would you need the windows to fire them through? (laughs) Uh, Harris submitted, had she been killed, we would have been practically helpless in attempting further negotiations because the knowledge which we had acquired of the language of Martians from the prisoner captured on the golden asteroid was not sufficient to meet the requirements of the occasion. And he says, you just murdered everyone. Even Colonel Smith has an Anakin Skywalker. We killed them all—not the men, but the women and children too. Moments, and they gleefully talked about the famine they caused. And now you're acting like you have to follow some sort of decorum with negotiations. It's a—it's uh, very true. But and, also, that
1: was—that felt like a uh, backloading that thing because they talked about how they did talk with the Martian, right? Right. Yeah, I mean so I didn't understand what that but maybe because he was like a renegade like he's a different like he's a talked like a pirate or something. <laughs> right? He was robbing the gold miner?
0: Uh oh, wow. I mean they they didn't get into that but they did have those benches made of gold that the hot Martian ladies were lounging on, so yeah, but
1: he was up on that little, they captured that dude. Oh, um, the
0: previous Martian, sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's where they learned how to uh, speak.
0: Yes, that's, I, I don't know what to make of that. They, they know the language. They know her language. They don't need her to translate for them because she spoke a different language. That's right. what the linguist was so obsessed with. And then our last one is uh, Janelle who submitted, <laughs> we shall have to go down and have a confab with them. I suppose, said Mr. Edison. <laughs> it's a pretty good, pretty good one to edit on. Probably Edison's low point of the book, other than if you're a crow fan or not, you might consider that. It's a, sort of like, a, we, we will try to make it, won't we? Is that what Santa said to the ice cream bunny? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, I suppose. His like, triumphant what, cry to him.
0: What did the little boy, uh, what was the, the joke the fish told the little boy in Fun in Balloon Land? Oh, man. There are, there are more things da- down here that blow hard, I suppose, and then the boy like turns to look at the director, being like, "What's what am I supposed to do here?"
1: Oh, that is one of the most insane moments ever put on film.
0: Boy in a gold lamé diaper. Yeah, which uh, I guess is sort of how we'll end here for this uh, for this book. A boy in a gold lamé diaper. Um, we do have uh, good emails to read about this. A, a potential Andy Rooney uh, themed email to read. So.
1: Oh, well, now you know I'm on board. <laughs> so of course. please
0: tune into that on our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash three seventy two pages where you can uh, also hear Mike's uh, second tale of arson. You can see all yes. the funny memes that got posted for our meme contest. And, well, you'll be the, uh, the first to hear what we're going to be reading next. Is it, uh, is it from the 1800s? Is it something brand new? Is it something insane? We can only, we can only speculate.
1: But uh, thanks for joining with us, and we'll, uh, we'll see you soon.
0: Thanks, everybody. Nude crows, boys in LeMay diapers. Uh, thanks from 372 Pages. Connor Lestoka signing off.